theme song. All right. So, uh, hey, folks, check it out. This is my podcast, and I have a new guest on this week. He is, let me give you an introduction for him. He's the, he's the legend of hecklers. Uh, he is the master of masters. He's taught everybody how to box and uh, be fit and healthy and happy. And he does comedy, too. He does it all. He's even a freestyle rapper. Um, and his name is Gary Barker. And he's with me right now. Hey, Gary, say something. Hey, great to be here. I, uh, I thought I was going to be on this. I uh, decided to uh, come nice and sober. I didn't do anything <laughs> last night. I'm feeling great. Yeah? Drinking a straight scotch right now, though. I, I wanted to say thanks so much for being on my podcast. I, oh, yeah, you're welcome. I'm happy no, to have uh, you. Good. I get a chance to get the word out. I, uh, I've often listened to your podcast. I'm one of the... Oh, thank you. Yeah, i One I, of the five yeah. or so. And uh, yeah. I... Uh, you know why, right? You brought it up even well, one time. Yeah, you said that you like... You're listening for your own name. Sure. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Understandable. Yeah. It comes up once in a while. You know, yeah, every once in a while. Yeah, I mentioned you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, people... Yeah, it's like the, the distant... Well, who is this scary person? Mm-hmm. And now I have a chance to actually have you on and interview you. And oh yeah, by the way, we're recording in the um, in the Ratfish Lounge, so it's That's a nice where it all started, right here. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's come up. I remember I was listening to one where you guys had mentioned what's the history of this actual room, mm. and it goes back to uh, they had the he- Heckler's Amateur Night, and then um, uh, back and someone had mentioned that uh, Mark Robertson and. Uh, the other fellow, there's another one that... Uh, James that, Ball? Uh, yeah, well, all of these guys at the beginning. Yeah. And uh, that's where I would have expected my name to come up. Oh, you right. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, there was no upstairs comedy or nothing. I started the whole thing. Well, because it was your birthday. Um, that, right. and um, it was a way of getting the room for free, I think, and uh, yeah. just, you know, kicking it off, right? Yeah. It was a thing. I brought a little kind of a... Uh, a, a box and a mic that I did for my rapping and stuff. I was, you know, practicing with that thing. Yeah. So our sound system was, yeah, just my little... That was it. ...home unit. It was very freestyle, that whole show. It was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. It went on for a long time. I, uh, <coughs> yeah, that was the first time we had anything here. And uh, then uh, uh, Mark and some people that were there, uh, they kind of noticed that... Uh, yeah, the comedians liked it. They had a great time, a lot of fun and stuff like that. But it yeah. was like, you know, shabbily run. I mean, it's not the way you run a comedy club or nothing like that. So sure. he decided to put, the, you know, expertise to it. And uh, this is what they've ended up with. Yeah, it, yeah wow. Yeah, I, I love it so much. Yeah, yeah it's, And I, I showed up um, almost a year ago now. And, yeah, it was bumping. It was yeah, huge lineup of comics lining up mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of comics around now. There's like, it's nice that um, <clears throat> on the nights that we have the Monday night open mic and then select show, there's uh, mainly comics that are here, right? And mm-hmm. then you get a good crowd once in a while and fill the place up a little bit. And I think it's some of the best shows I've ever been to. The talent. I mean, everybody just goes through the roof when you get a good response, you know, when it's just a bunch of comedians yeah. sitting around. It can be pretty. 
Well, so, yeah, so. it's been it's been depressing. I've I've seen com- comics. I think I've commented on this on the podcast that will sometimes give up because it's just too depressing for them to show up when there's nobody I'd except other sack. comics. I'd, yeah, you know, I want to go downstairs quick and just get drunk. Yeah, and, you know, I can't take it. Plus, lately I've been a little bit. I've had to leave a few times. I just find that these too much tension around sometimes, you know. It looks yeah. like the audience gets a little out of control, and then some of the comedians kind of maybe throw their weight around too, and it gets a little bit tense. I, I can't, you know, I'm too sensitive to that. Like I just, oh, I gotta, I gotta go home. Oh, uh, I'm. I think I'm more oblivious to that. Like I don't even notice. <laughs> yeah, you might not. <laughs> I do. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of tense. Actually, you know, the other night there was a show, and I went outside and talked to some guys that were. Interacting a little too much at the beginning with the comedians. They were oh yeah, sure. Guys, you know yeah, and they went out for a smoke, and I went. God, this is gross. And I want. I went up and I said to them, I go, Hey, you guys, you know, we're talking a bit, and I said, You know, if you go back in there, there's going to be some more comedians, and and let's not indulge them, and and it'll it'll go away. And and they were actually saying to me like, Well, they're picking on us and stuff like that. And I go, Yeah, you started. I felt like De Niro in the. <laughs> Good fellows I, and stuff. I like the yeah, way. A little bit, a little bit. You're so polite. You say they are interacting with the comedian. It's not heckling. Yeah. <laughs> interacting. Yeah. I think the word heckle was thrown around a little. It's lost its meaning. I discovered. Probably, so, yeah. Uh, I don't know what that is, but a lot of people don't know how to handle uh, themselves, you know, and conduct themselves properly in a room, you know, like all the shows that I go to. That's my pet peeve. I I get really upset. Mm. More than I should. Maybe. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just really sensitive to it. I don't like when I see ignorant people fucking up the atmosphere. You know what I mean? It's true, it's yeah. Like, how rude. Yeah, you need a certain... You need people to behave in order to have yeah. a good show. Well, people don't behave, yeah. do they? Well, yeah. I think we should take it up a notch and hire a, kind of like a ninja <laughs> uh, system going on there and just like... Well, have, yeah, you, you've seen... At the shows downstairs, uh-huh. uh, like... They usually assign someone like Evan to go and whisper mm-hmm. if you know if somebody is um, is talking back to the comic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Evan will go and whisper in their ear. Please be. Qu- I don't know what he whispers. <laughs> I think it's please be quiet. I think it so. starts off with a hey, you want to keep it down? Shh. And some yeah. people find that offensive because yeah. they're already proving themselves ignorant in the first place. So you go, that's his job. He can get anything back from fuck off to uh, I think someone kicked him a while ago. <laughs> you yeah. know, the people just don't know how to behave. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, Evan had a bit where somebody called him, uh, I don't know if I should repeat it, but Butterball, I think they called yeah, him. Yeah, I think he's so, mentioned that. Yeah. I mean, it's a funny word, but it's kind of mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They come in all shapes and sizes, too, these people that are uh, troublemakers, eh? <laughs> Old bags, you know, government workers, who gives a fuck? You know, if you're guess, rude, you're yeah. rude. Yeah. Drunk girls, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean... Well, the thing about Ratfish is we have all levels. We have some brand new comedians, like an expert like Sean Proudlove. He can just handle a, a heckler. He just talks to them often. Yeah, but it can so still be an uncomfortable room. You know, but yeah. handling it is okay for. I can't handle it. That's my mm, thing. Is that yeah. when I see things getting hot and and things getting a little, you know, low, I'm more likely to um, get away from it because makes me kind of shake. I okay. don't know what it is. Yeah. Have you been heckled? Like, no. Not like, 
I, I mean, uh, people might have talked, but... No, I've never been interrupted or anything. Everything's been really good. Yeah. yeah. How many times do you think you would you have, like, done five-minute, three-minute sets in Damn. your life? In my life? Yeah. Just comedy, I should say. Or, well... Performance? Yeah. Performing arts? I, I It starts way, way back. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. let's... Yeah, let's do that. Let's get into your... Uh, Okay, the history of Gary, that's pretty good. Um, I was born and raised in Vancouver, okay, but um, I had a a bit of an accident when I was very six weeks old kind of thing. It's documented. Anyway, and uh, I got really badly scrambled in the head and uh, ended up with kind of a condition that was like, by the time I was five, I wasn't doing too good and I'd... Uh, didn't make the grade to get into kindergarten and then I started getting tested for a bunch of stuff and uh, so they were trying to figure out uh, what borderline condition I had to kind of keep me in a different thing but anyway I got to stay home all by myself uh, when I was five I had an older brother went to school and I watched a lot of television just propped up in front of it and I couldn't talk yet because I had brain damage and stuff anyway we um, end up uh, moving to Van- uh, another part of Vancouver to uh, another school, and I think they were going to put me in kind of a special class or something. But again, I ended up staying home and just watching a lot of television propped up and looking at this stuff, right? And I started to uh, speak by imitating stuff off of television and that. Nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> my brother and I, we started, I think the first time I had a paid performance, I was about six Wow. We would charge the neighborhood kids to come, open up the back garage door, and there we would have the uh, Blake and Gary show. Nice. Amazing. Were you like a like a vaudeville double uh, kind act? Of, kind of, like a Penn and Teller type of thing. Sure. Um, horrifying. Did you do magic and, tricks? Or? Uh, all sorts of stuff. I'll tell you what we did. Okay. Um, first of all, I don't know which Penn and Teller one. What's the one that doesn't talk? Uh, teller doesn't talk. Okay, I'd be Teller then. So you're the silent one. Right. I could do impressions and stuff, but basically conversations were just beginning in my life. Oh, yeah. And uh, brain damage. my brother, he um, was the guy who uh, used me as his prop and for his House of Horrors and his Wild West show and stuff. And he did amazing things, like uh, he shot a can off my head. At the, I was at one end of the garage. With, with yes. a gun? A gun, yes. 22 uh, caliber uh, pistol. <laughs> that one didn't scare me so much because I was kind of blind, too, so I didn't really know what was going on. I was just kind of stood there, and he still moved, you know, he really had command over me. So we did these really neat um, performances. He did the hanging act, where uh put me up into the attic part, had a trap door, and he'd pull it, and I'd fall out of there sometimes blindfolded and stuff and do a dangle thing and it was like ah mm-hmm. what did he tried and tested he was very he's an engineer he knew how to do stuff how old he was, was your very, brother at this time uh, he'd be starting around nine-ish oh, yeah. Yeah. eight and and stuff and we had access to a lot of things like pulleys and ropes and uh explosives and stuff just typical stuff kids <laughs> sure. in the attic in the garage in vancouver mm-hmm. as you grew up in the with this was the 1910s yeah <laughs> 1955, <laughs> little Gary Bach, huh? Started. But anyway, we uh, had this thing going on, and uh, oh, the knife throwing one was the most horrific, because that yeah, I had to stay completely still, and he's throwing the uh, Bowie knife thing, you know, <laughs> overhand throwing a chunk into the wall. So anyway, the kids 
they paid money for this. Like the word spread, like you're going to go see something real shit. I mean, he had this catapult thing that he built in the yard too, and he flunked. That was the big thing, like shooting a guy out of a cannon. He just fired me over the neighbor's yard through the trees and shit. Wow. Uh-huh. No. Very creative. Believe, but um, if you're sure. calling me a liar, we could end this right now. We can just settle it right here in the room. I, no. won't, I wouldn't no. dare. It is so um, profound. But look, the school uh, people, when we were in grace, so I'd be grade one-ish. Now, I'm barely allowed in school, but I'm there. I dressed like in like outfits from television shows like The Lone Ranger and stuff like this. They just let me. I would just walk around, have six guns sometimes and stuff. But anyway, um, we got an announcement over the PA at the old school there, and uh, it said that all children um, are not to visit the Barker house in after school and stuff. Yeah, because they went home. They'd say stuff like, what did you kids do today? And they probably kids are telling the parents stuff like, oh, yeah, Blake shot a, a can off Gary's head and then he hung him and shit. And they probably think they're just we're playing fantasy stuff. And then they all get together and they find <laughs> out, oh shit, this is real. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, live like kind of isolated. Yeah, yeah, that was very exciting. Um, well, I, I shouldn't. I mean, it's in some ways it sounds fascinating, but it also sounds traumatizing. Like very. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was horrified. And look, I I tell you, I was subject to a lot of uh, what you'd call extreme bullying and here's the deal part of the problem with what happened to me was uh, the condition leaves you the three W's it's called uh, wobbly wet and weird so mm. uh, A I peed my pants because you got no sense of it yeah can't talk yet and stuff like that um, wobbly because uh, your equilibrium's off because of intracranial pressure. There's a little uh, 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 bone. And then uh, weird because uh, you are living in a traumatized shell and you can't really interrelate with things, so you appear to be severely retarded. Now, as I grew up and started to uh, get involved with my impressions and doing little things and having people uh, do... I would do tricks for people, like fall out of trees and stuff and do stunts. I, bl I liked Houdini and stuff, so I went, did a lot of escapes and stuff. People, I was always presenting as some kind of thing, so it's just part of this character that I grew up as, but a very, very weird kid that everybody picked on. Oh. Everybody took a shot at me. Teachers were mean to me. Everybody did. It was just, I, I was ridiculous. I had a pink toilet lid looking patch over one eye uh, 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 well wet pants threw up a lot wow. I don't know if I was lactose intolerant I was just okay. especially intolerant to my family family intolerant they were just so bad for me it was just kind of like oh my god see that brother of mine um, he uh, he broke several of my bones at a very early age just through the stuff that you know he was a rough guy you know he was at first the hanging uh, trick that we did. There was some failures, you know. I got a, a wrenched out neck and I got hurt sometimes and stuff like that. But I had to stick yeah. with the program. He was in charge of my life, like mm. you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then uh, <clears throat> I uh, probably just hung out uh, f for a lot of years through high school and stuff like that. Um, only. 
brief encounters with other people in the school. Like uh, I, and I, I started going downtown when I was about 16 years old. Instead of going to school, I'd go to this uh, boxing club down in East Hastings and stuff and yeah. had a double life kind of thing. And somehow still living at my parents' home, I still went as if I was going to school right through grade 12, and we went to grad and everything, you know, but oh, no, yeah. I had a whole other thing going on. You, yeah, so your main thing was boxing then? Um, I was experimenting uh, with, I went to Chinatown in Vancouver at a very early years, like 66 and 65, and there was some Aikido things and some underground interesting fighting systems going on. Uh-huh. But I got attracted to the boxing clubs for sure. Yeah, okay. I was doing grappling and a lot of stuff. But um, yeah, the boxing scene was pretty exciting. Did you ever get mixed up in drugs and alcohol or anything like that in my life? I guess I'm asking about the early part of your life. How did you avoid that? When let's see, 18 years old. In a when I started doing the boxing scene, I was not uh, a drinker, and I hadn't smoked pot or anything. I'm 16, 17. I'm, you know, hanging and doing actual training <coughs> and taking it very seriously. Yeah. And uh, then at 18, oh, at 18, they told me uh, at the gym that uh, I shouldn't box. Uh, uh, they could tell that I had a type of uh, uh, neurological condition and I didn't talk about it or nothing but they could tell. They were pretty smart. These are old school trainers and stuff oh, and yeah. they could tell by the way I reacted and um, so like how a I handled thing, shock. A hmm? common thing for boxers to have a... Well, or a lot of guys that have... That we know more now that whole concept of understanding concussions and what that's all about. Yeah. It was boxers at the beginning, even the earliest references to punch drunk syndrome and all that, that's all related, and uh, pugilist yeah. dementia in ancient Greece and, and, yeah. and, and stuff. But your thing went all the way back to childhood. Well, mine, I think, kicked off with or an incredible drug overdose by accident My, uh, at, at six weeks old. It was oh, a, I see. It was a uh, called the suicide drug, and it was administered to, into my little baby mouth, and I, I went into a coma, I guess, and then suffered an extreme shaken baby thing to wake me up. It was an accident, I guess, an accident. <laughs> but anyway, right. it was the doctors had to eventually have to be explained, you know, what happened to this kid, right? Yeah. And uh, and I know I was shaken uh, really bad because when I looked at the other, of course. They think that she was trying to bring me back to life. I saw her try to fix a radio that didn't work one time. The oh, thing just sure. sprung across the kitchen, right? She's pretty frantic. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I know why uh, most of the conditions that I suffered through in my life was from a massive drug overdose. And the hyper-rebound effect that allowed me to survive that thing, it's like a comic book thing. It's like something altered. Like I know that I'm wired kind of like Bonnie. And I've had seizures uh all my life, like a type of epilepsy that uh-huh. is hard to deal with. Hence, I uh, train every day and run classes in my school. Does that help? It's the only fit? way out of it. 
Oh. I, if, if I'm injured and I, things go shitty, yeah. um, I fall apart and I, I will succumb to seizures and, okay. and Parkinson's type syndromes with uh, as the things start to shake. And one of the first things that happens is when my voice starts to break up and things start to go funny because right now I have kind of a busted up wrist. Oh, yeah, I can't see. do my routine and it's been going on for quite a while now and I'm getting a little scrambly. <laughs> sure, yeah. That's why it's good to settle down and have a nice, relaxing conversation. <laughs> yes, well, I... Uh, Nobody yeah. ever talks to me, you know. I'm all really? alone in the well, world. Well, I mean... My students, they come out, but they just have to listen to me. Yeah, I mean, you're me. a you're a friendly guy. You're, I am. You're, you are outgoing. I get I got great contacts around here and great yeah. friends. And it's been yeah, really, really th- cool. I mean, this is a great community. This yeah. Just this hotel, this yeah. bar and stuff, yeah. Yeah, especially when I moved back into the neighborhood, I think I brought the whole character of this place up a bit. You know, I'm well loved. <laughs> sure, you yeah. sure are. And yeah, like I see you when you you have an energy to you, like you like to move around and bounce I around. I certainly do. <laughs> yeah. This is the longest I've sat in a long time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I like the stage over there, though. Well, we might get to that. How long have you been going to comedy again? When did you? Uh, well, last April, so less than a year I've been doing, like, stand-up, yeah. I've been doing other podcasts and stuff for a few years, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we didn't finish your life story. I mean, there's lots more to get to, but... Well, uh, okay, so, like, uh, it is an interesting... You know, I'll tell you, it's so interesting in a way that, I'll tell you, recently... A guy I've known for over 30 years, we're still in contact, but he recently got a grant to go down to the States to this research thing for, um, it was a form of lie detection that they use, and it's been used for many years, but it's not the lie detector test, it's, it's this thing that measures a thing called a P30 wave in your brain, and it can tell 100% whether someone's identifying a picture of someone they know or they don't know, and that kind of thing, it's a given. And, but it, they use that kind of stuff probably in uh, extreme interrogation and war situations. And ter- but his thing was, he invented this thing that also has an eye response whether you're looking at a picture or not because there's no such thing as an image, imageless thought or something. So his detector can tell if the person is enhancing or a very, when they themselves are not being true. And he wanted me to come and be part of this gigantic experiment. Oh, yeah. It started off, it was going to be used... Uh, the people that sponsored it were going to prove that some paranormal uh, witnesses and people that had stories were either telling the truth or they weren't. And they actually wanted to prove, I don't know if it was just gay or nay, but it proved that uh, a lot of nay, uh, these stories turned out to be that, mm-hmm. uh, no, good story, but uh, bullshit. <laughs> and uh, so this experiment was that it's so extreme that they had a few people that were on death row come and be get to do the test also because there was no hard evidence in fact that, but they're also on death row anyway and um, some actors uh, people that are CIA and those type of people is a very a big deal it turned into because then they realized holy shit this thing can work so they had a panel of people that also watched someone come in and give a testimony about things 
yeah. learn about your life. So at first it was a bunch of students saying, oh, what did you do? Uh, what do you take in school? Do you play any sports? And as they start to tell stories, you can tell the variation from the things. Like, did you play soccer? Oh, yeah, I played a lot of soccer. Um, they're thinking maybe playing in college and stuff, but in fact... It already is a huge variation in the in the chart. It just goes no. Oh, you yeah. played uh, kicky ball when you were in grade four. You tell when they're bullshitting. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. So there's also this panel of people that are experts, like Hannibal Lecter, psychiatrist type guys, and, and CIA people and stuff. They're looking at the people and using their ob- observation skills. They're assessing and they're going mm, bullshit. Uh, nope, and stuff like this, oh, especially yeah. in, in and and so as they test all the, these things together it turned out that machine works 100% it's the new thing it's like it, right now the prototype is this band that goes across your eyes and you're like a little EEG hat on okay yeah and then away you go and so he thought it'd be interesting if I told the Gary Barker story and he says I bet you those guys that are going to be listening to t- testimonies. So as you start talking about martial arts and stuff, they're going to go, mm, not seeing it. Oh, da, da, da. Okay. And the machine will, um, plus if we can delve into anything you want, and the history will prove itself. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of cool. Because that's where it gets interesting, because the next part is, is the most okay. interesting part. Look, I, I've been at death's door a lot. Like, I could be charged for loitering there. You know, like, I have <laughs> really been tested to the limits and survived a lot of weird shit. And when that story, as it's told, is is quite um, shocking. Like, my own yeah. family doctor, he just goes, look, you have to understand that when certain uh, professionals are dealing with you, they're going to ha- find it hard to handle like I've had neurologists yeah. and different are type of people we're still talking about your, the first incident or are we talking about a couple oh more? no that's it look that's the other thing that first incident like getting the overdose there and then the shaking baby thing and blah 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 the um I had a, a swollen uh, fontanelle and all this kind of stuff, and I had long hair. And at three years old, my first playtime, I go out, and this is my first memory, and it's a beauty. I go beside behind the garage, and my brother and a guy are playing back there, and they decide that they're going to um, knock me out, put me in the ground. Cause, cause my, they were laying sod back there and shit, so they dug a hole, and they bury and my mom finally comes charging out, and she rips me out of the dirt, and there's dirt in my mouth, and all this kind of shit. That's memory number one. Now, that was a pretty, uh, you know, intense. It's a good thing she looked out the window over her cigarette smoke and drank and, and went, why the hell, Gary? And then, she, yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, they balled out Blake pretty good on that one. Yeah, what the hell are you doing trying to kill me? And uh, <laughs> then at, uh, at about five, uh, we go to this horsey ride place. Now, I'm... I'm goofy looking. I got the little plaid outfit on and my stupid brown shoes and a patch over one eye again. And I show up and we're going to get on the horse. My brother's dressed like he's one of the Cartwrights or something. He's from Bonanza. He's Adam. He's all in black. He's got a little outfit. So he gets on the horse. Everything's cool. The horse is looking at me like, oh shit, I'm going to kill this thing. And I get on it. So because they can tell I'm kind of special, my dad has to guide the horse around the arena you know so he starts to take it but my dad's so cool he's gonna stop and go into the infield and grab a carrot and uh, come back and feed it to the horse but uh, i'm just uh, sitting on the horse holding a horn i guess and 
uh, that horse looks up and sees that all the other horses are already around the next bed. It just bolts. It's right out of a movie. It's the stirrup drag uh, hooked to the thing and the bow and kicking and uh, sawdust and shit in the head. Okay, it was traumatic. So, so you fell out of the saddle, but you got dragged by the stirrup with one foot. Just and, like, yeah. And did you get kicked in the head? Probably. Too? Yeah. I, I was unconscious. Out, so, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it just, you gallop, you whiplash alone would probably have dislocated my entire body. It did you? Exciting. Did, so after, did you end up in the hospital nope. after that? No, nope, just wiped the shit and sawdust off me and uh, took me uh, home. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. Good. Did you have broken bones? I had several uh, as a kid, yeah. But from that incident or just, yeah? Don't know. P- okay, probably. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah. I, I The first few fra- fractures that I had in my life went on. Uh, attended to mm. and then uh, ran for another thing and the doctor was examining my arm and he goes you have a you know to my parents because his arm is fractured right here blah 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 and they go how can this be you know and questions popped up once in a while I think part of it was, might have been a bit immune to pain I had a I threshold so. that was kind of unusual yeah did you well did you cry a lot when you were a little like a <sighs> kid or do you remember? At night, in my misery of being me, yeah. Oh, wow. Other than that. I guess you had to, during the day, you had they, to stuff it all down. I had personas. I was on. like, look, sometimes I was Tarzan. Sometimes I was the Lone Ranger. Everybody that I was, as I grew up and interacted with things, I had a movie running through my head and television. It's like that cable guy kind of thing, you know? Oh, yeah? I was raised by a television. Sure. A little black and white thing with the, uh, Intent, you know, it's like I mean, you have just one channel back in the, uh, those days or? Uh, for a while, yeah. And then we hit it big around '65 or something like that. And then we went, you know, got to see a lot of shit <laughs> Flintstones and holy cow, here we go. And then Looney Tunes and all the cartoons, I love that stuff too. But yeah, you had movies and stuff like the old westerns and stuff like that, and uh, television series that serials like uh. <clears throat> little vignettes of cowboy chases and gangsters and all that kind of stuff. So I was mesmerized. Yeah, I still reenact things in my life. So, yeah, so you could kind of... Well, what what was that when you were pretending to be... I mean, all kids kind of pretend, but what do you think there was... uh, When you were pretending to be Tarzan, was it, I don't know, was it helping you cope with the stuff in life? or In my world, like... um, it didn't work out at school, though. Like, I remember I, the right. Tarzan thing. One yeah. time, uh, I was left through the basement door in the house to escape to go to school, mm-hmm. little kid. And uh, I was sent home quite often before the outfits that I was wearing. As Tarzan. Well, so you would actually dress up as Tarzan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So underwear, belt, and a knife got me sent home. <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah, that didn't work out. But my mom got in a lot of trouble sometimes. <laughs> They'd be like, "How did this? You know, why did you, Gary bring a gun to school?" All those guys, yeah. just plastic. You know. Well, no, it was yeah, cool. Yeah, it's just um, a toy. Yeah, and then sometimes um, I would uh, um, be in the middle of a club. Oh, no, never mind. I, I don't want to say too much. I'm not going to go too deep, too dark. It's a nice afternoon we're having. Oh. Uh, I had right. a rough I, go. Yeah, I don't want to make but you go. <laughs> Entertainment-wise, now, as I uh, uh, went in and out of the boxing world and hanging with certain uh, groups of people where uh, I, I I was kind of a stand-up guy. I was a boxer, and I was known to be able to handle situations, and then I got more and more involved in that, became uh, 
unarmed bodyguard. Did you have pattern. friends and stuff, like good close um, friends? I had. Um, I lost a lot of friends and contacts. I and was kind of in a uh, a spin because one of the next injuries that happened to me, I got my head really caved in, good, you know, uh, attack, and and it, it re- I went into a real spiral, man, and I really messed up, and uh, I got kind of rescued by uh, someone who recognized me and uh, offered me a, a, a job in a way of. Uh, uh, m- making something of myself, but I had to stop drinking and listen to the way he does. Clean me up, you know. Okay. Do all these things. And how old were you at this time? Oh, uh, let's see. So seventy-four, twenty or twenty-one. Okay. Um, my head and 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 like they after my head was caved up, caved in with a rock and shit like that. They went, okay, you know, this it's a write-off. This guy'll sort of be there or whatever. And yet, I still kind of managed to get around town, and I was all fucked up. I don't know. But anyway, this guy got me to uh, take care of myself and uh, serve a position, and it turned out that it's kind of like um, uh, criminal uh, in that I'm his driver and bodyguard and stuff, and money exchanges. But in the sense of it's very civilized, you know. I'm, I, 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 it was. It got me on my feet, but then it also got me connected in things where I became a, a almost word of mouth uh, uh, escort, bodyguard, close quarter guy and stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah, and then and you were tough. You were known to be. I mean, I, I guess you can take a rock to the head. Ah, uh, yeah, it's not that. I, I, I was raised and 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 always adapting to training systems and trying to figure out how to. Uh, uh, better up my game and and it's a lot like you know we know what really efficient fighting is it's we see it it's ufc and 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 those people that are at that level and uh it's i've got that thing running through my head for many 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 years i've always been a a mma style guy love boxing though yes big part of it and then yeah and so that translates to sort of real life because sometimes people there's dangerous people well when you um i was an unarmed bodyguard because the people that were kind of like running the show in vancouver the main elements and police and all that kind of stuff they had an alliance that was um we gave up the interaction with the gun show with each other and guns and all that kind of stuff so that all the meetings and everything that was transactions and stuff it's all no guns allowed and and people were were really cool and stuff but Mm -hmm. the bodyguards were usually guys from the fight game and stuff and uh Mm. certain martial arts clubs and stuff and and that and we all got along great and everybody was cool and there was some underground fighting going on at the time too which i I did a little on of that on the side and stuff so it was kind of yeah it's like a gangster movie but a really lovable bunch you know what I'm saying okay so that was and you had like did you have a life and a and a place and, and a girlfriend or anything like that well now that time? as by the time I'm 28 I do but 25 now a number of things are going on um, where I ended up going to I had to I sort of I left Vancouver in 77 to go, uh, or 78, uh, to go to Alberta, and I went there for a, a few years, and, and 
when I got back from Alberta uh, with the girl that I met there, we started a family and we have kids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, when I got back, I started performing in Vancouver. My next phase of turning into a performer, and that was pretty fun. Okay, and we're talking mostly uh, rap now? Nope, rap didn't happen until just a few years ago. Oh, okay. um, Although, when I first rapped way back in 72, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I say I'm kind of like the founder of rap, <laughs> um, because it, I did rap a song, and it was just my version of a song, which was uh, that we were performing at a frat house in UBC in Vancouver oh, and yeah. stuff. So um, I have performed it down here. I once, I, I sort of, you know, rambled through it because it's a, uh, uh, anyway. But, no, I came back to Vancouver and uh, I started uh, boxing again and stuff okay. and uh, performing in um, fitness and strength contests. Then I went as a stage guy between strippers in a bar that I worked in uh, in Vancouver, and I did a strongman act and contest that was with comedy and everything between dancers. And it was, uh, it we had standing room only a lot, and a lot of people coming to try and defeat me at certain events, oh, and yeah, push-ups yeah, and stuff, fun. and this Ben Bar thing I had, and uh, those were re- really exciting. Like it was, da, da, da. and then in 1986 or so. Um, we decided to, uh, <coughs> the family, we moved to Victoria for a fitness contest here, and we never went back. We've been here since 86. And I did a bit of comedy then, too. I went to, but um, uh, it was either a Yuck Yucks or something. It was at a place called The Colony, okay. and The Colony's not there anymore. And I went in there, and uh, I uh, asked if I could go announce uh a, uh, a contest that was coming up, a fundraiser thing, and the guy named Squatch or whatever I can't remember who, who, which one he was, the Sasquatch dude, oh, yeah. and he says, um, uh, "Yeah, you go on, you get a, a, a couple minutes, announce your thing." And I went on and I was on stage for like 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah, he didn't care. He, everybody was like a bunch of strippers that knew me were there. They were laughing their guts off. It was, we had a great time. Yeah. So, yeah. but then this place. Um, back, I don't know how long ago it was now, but yeah, but we had the birthday show for me here, and then um, I guess I got into the swing of it when it was Heckler's Avenger Night. You know, the belt is now hanging on the wall there. Isn't that oh, pretty? Yeah, yeah. I don't have really video, night. but yeah, no, you don't need it. But that's <laughs> maybe I'll take a picture later. It out to you. Yeah, I like that. Um, and uh, I, I like the community of it. I so I'm back in the, this hood right here and so I, I've been coming a lot and mm-hmm. like I say though I I I don't know I I wish people could just get along it freaks me out you know you say you're a bit immune to it you doesn't really notice the tension and stuff yeah. I do I, I kind of go I I I don't know just kind of like I it, well the effect that it has on me I do vibrate I, I yeah. because of the way I am I I I kind of go, damn it, like, you know, this is really oh, yeah. hard to handle for me. I, I kind of would think you'd be uh, somewhat used to it, just, you know. You I think it's post-traumatic stress. Oh, yeah, maybe. I've been maybe. exposed to yeah. it at very high levels and horrible situations, and I tell you, I I sure have a, a keen awareness of the nature of, of things going awry and, and stuff. I, You know what I mean? I don't know. 
I see it everywhere though, but I also uh, have worked in security so long too that um, I know when something's, I'm really good at knowing if something's really going to go over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 and that, has there ever been, I mean, I think at Heckler's we've had kind of scuffles and fights. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen like a physical confrontation here in Ratfish. Yeah. Um, I have. Uh, not at Ratfish Comedy, but I've worked at this hotel since way back. And yeah. uh, when it used to be Fat Tuesdays and stuff, actually the very first time I even knew this room existed, I worked in a, in a bar downstairs, now Heckler's, right? Yeah. And I'm the uh, security and I and help take care of the place and blah, blah, blah. And one day uh, there's a call and someone goes, up in the lounge, there's a fight, get up there and all this kind of shit. And I'm like going lounge what what the fuck and they go upstairs lobby i'm like all right i come in here and yeah it um i thought somebody was going to shoot a guy <laughs> yeah, it's pretty intense wow they, they were it was a private card game i think yeah looked like a bunch of hoods and they were like something went wrong maybe oh. someone cheated a guy oh, yeah <laughs> yeah but anyway. uh this but neighborhood yeah, yeah it doesn't have a good reputation as far as that goes well it's hard to find a neighborhood that does. Uh, yes. It's the neighborhood you don't live in. You probably think's okay, but this one, yeah, it's got a stank on. Like my I, my training facility downstairs, <laughs> I, there's needles and shit. Like like uh, I, yeah. I, we, that underground parking, you won't find a parkade around that doesn't have its visitors. You know, but this one, yeah. I think that the fact that we have a fight club going on down there, we probably keep it even cleaner than it normally would. I, be. Yeah, I guess that would. <laughs> have a certain effect yeah uh we haven't really talked too much about your fight club yeah no um, it's um i'm thrilled about it like i first yeah. of all i wanted to have uh that interaction for a nice saturday workout because i run quite a few classes in a week and saturday would be my fun day so these guys are going to come out and, we're, and i'm just going to show them some basics and stuff like that and it's turned into like a really uh, intense, fast, rapid growth. Like, I mean, the abilities and the oh, yeah. effort that people are putting out. And I, a uh, couple of the guys, one in particular, Steve, there, uh, his push up output is better than any guy I've trained in most, well, in my whole career, 30 years of this kind of stuff. So he makes me work to oh, yeah. present that I'm in charge of this shit. And he can, uh, he just about killed me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, and so we have this incredible workout, and plus, um, and then it's growing in numbers too. It's which is funny too. That every once in a while, you see a new face show up, and it's just like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. It's nice to have an indoor facility, though. I'm used to training outdoors, oh, always yeah. on roads. Like my book is called "The Road to Hokwondo, and it's like it's always thanks to cul-de-sacs everywhere. You know, like like a book you wrote. <laughs> yeah. Or, oh yeah. Yeah, that's this. Well, yeah, we can plug it on the podcast. Can people get it on Amazon? Or? This is just the sacred book. <laughs> I take good good care of my books, eh? So yeah. This is the last copy of it, too. Oh, so and people so, like, can't road, get it on Amazon. The Road to Hokwondo. That's the thing there. Okay. Yeah, I'll describe it. It's a, It looks pretty old and, and battered and worn. There's pictures. Is it... Did, did you self-publish this? Uh, the... Pr- I had a what do you call those like a sponsor through a the way it, it uh, I didn't pay for this book <laughs> somebody 
put it all together, and the, the photographer was one of my students, and they printed up a box of those things, and I spread them amongst people and to my students over the years, and it turns out that is the very last copy that I can find. Wow. It's cool. Yeah. So that's a keeper. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, my uh, background now, uh, I've taken it to a new thing where I like to teach a system of actual fighting, of self-defense to the point of uh, being a uh, really hard to uh, turn into a victim, like good at evasive movement and mm -hmm. very athletic and strong and quick and all that stuff. So, And everyone's applying it really well. Okay. Love it. Yeah, self-defense and stuff. Um, yeah, well, yeah, and uh, when you... Is there a philosophy of, like, I don't know, a pacifism that goes along with, with what you learned? Like, what style did you learn first? Well, I, I learned... I, at the same time, what happened was my grandfather, he, um, on my mom's side, he's Central Asian and... He was my, like, uh, physical education guy. I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' place. My parents liked to dump me over there. Oh, sure. And he was the secret teacher. And he taught a kind of weird uh, wrestling stuff about uh, joint locks and chokes and, and stuff, but lots of exercises, different push-ups in different positions. And he, he, he had me on this routine because he was going to fix me with my bed head and everything. Okay. And, Is that uh, how he talked? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and uh, on the other side, my dad, he was um, raised through this uh, traditional British uh, boxing style. All right, stick and move, go head out, and all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, not like uh, uh, hardcore, but very skilled. And so I was being taught that way. But you see, I couldn't see out of one eye. I was basically mm. my brother's uh, toy. So I was getting punished again, like beaten up and stuff and I sort of out of survival and probably watching movies and maybe seeing some boxing movies I knew how to play the role and I got something going but I, I got yeah. really skilled at these things over the years but I hadn't developed uh, physically yet because uh, I had a lot of problems and then when I finally got a little, uh, like 17-ish and stuff like that things started to go oh wow I got mad skills and now I'm actually not uh, wobbly anymore did you do a lot yeah. of like actual like arranged fights mm -hmm. yeah yeah and, like tournaments and stuff mm -hmm. yeah yeah i had some fun yeah. i uh let's see i one of the easiest ones it was uh in in mid 90s so i'm just like 41 or 40 i decided to go into those uh, uh contact karate type things and one of the big ones they have it's a it's a truck triple-A type things for ratings and I won the uh, black belt men's uh, uh, black belt championship in the thing and, and it was really cool because first I have no belt I I just have my own system and I called it Hokwondo then too okay and uh, I won the thing and it qu actually qualified for the world championships just for that one 40-point win clear winner of my division at that biggest tournament, right? So that was just such a quirky, weird little thing because that was the least of the fights that I've ever fought, fought. Mm. Like, I mean, that yeah. was just m me putting my movement and style against another guy and you know, and stuff. But I, I was the first MMA fight in Canada, which is cool, and for sure BC. 
Wow. And that was in 97. And a bunch of guys that are local fighters, they very famous guys and very great fighters, they got matched up with some people. And we threw it down at the Memorial Arena. And uh, the announcer, he goes, this is a relatively new sport and new to Canada. And he goes, it's safe. Uh, <laughs> and I think several people went to the hospital. And I was really buggered up. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I tell you, it was a big deal. But I, I had boxing fights as a for a little while, and then they discovered that they thought my head was screwy, so I went out of that game. Right. I did it on the side a lot, okay. and then came back again late, way later and did different things. Yeah, mm-hmm. But I love training people. That's my thing, because I actually have a system. I, I know how to bring it out in people. I know how to aid them through the procedure, and it's, it works out really great. Did you ever try any other sports, too? Yeah. Uh, I was kind of like uh, played soccer because the few friends in the neighborhood, the few people that sort of brought me into a little bit of a circle there, they were the guys that played played sports. Uh, they mm-hmm. played soccer and stuff. And yeah. I played goalie. And uh, <clears throat> the team was so good in the league, our guys, that I didn't really have to be a goalie. Uh, they, they, they had control of games. We were like one of the first early 60s well-developed Canadian soccer er- districts in Vancouver you know like we were really hot and stuff but uh, other sports I've done a lot of them on the side j- just j- just dabbled in them like okay, I like to yeah. see how far yeah, I can throw football out. and all that but I never played organized sports other than uh, you know to a great extent you know. okay yeah um yeah it's cool Training is a sport. Oh, yeah. Like my sport, you see, now they call it CrossFit and stuff like that. I invented oh, okay. that, too. You know, obviously. I, okay. So yeah. we got rap, then we got CrossFit, and the mullet. I, there's a lot of things that be attributed to me after I die. And be, the three <laughs> books will be rewritten. But um, what are we talking about? Um, hmm. Hmm. Why? Well, the yeah. stoned one. <laughs> yeah. Talk about you for a moment. Yeah. How are you enjoying the comedy? How do I like it? Yeah. I do like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. And um, I'm hope I'm hopeful that I'm improving and, and getting good. You are. And yeah. And I want to I want to take it somewhere. I want to build the skill and you know make <laughs> make money and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, in the meantime, yeah, it's just it's just so much fun. Just. And and the people here are all so good. Like, I've, I've I know there's <laughs> some amazing talent. I yeah. tell you, I yeah. get tickled pink sometimes. Especially when something new happens, right? And I'm kind of going, wow, it's good to keep it rolling. You know, it's like, it's, you know, some of them could get by, like a lot of comedians that are really polished and they ha- and, and that's what they do. That's their job. Yeah, they have the same routine for years and years and years, and they and and they don't even have to, you know keep the creative process going just how well they carry it on on stage which is the power of performance itself right mm, but yeah. um, I've seen transitions in the months that I've been back I, I moved here on August 1st and I've seen like a couple of new acts fully de- transitioned and developed yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, where were you when I when I first because uh, I don't think you were around when I first started doing comedy in April and then I think you showed up. As, I guess you said you moved back in August. August 1st, yeah. I was okay. living in James Bay. Oh. And so 
I don't drive or nothing and stuff and it was I just gave up on coming out and over to this side but I you know yeah. I probably just before I left four years before that or four and a half years before that I was just still doing comedy and then left yeah and you don't do you go when do you you don't go up every week though necessarily or do you no uh sometimes I have a bit of a uh, it's not, what do you call it? It's nerves in the sense of that I can get a little bit uh, uh, jumpy sometimes inside and I feel strange. And mm-hmm. I know that that's a bad time for me and sometimes I actually just go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sure. I just go lay down and watch TV and stuff. Yeah. I get Because yeah. comedy is like, it is a hard thing to do. Um, I mean, a lot of people can't even get up on stage to begin yeah. with. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some guy says, sorry, I get a lot of people that talk about how they should do this or who they know someone who should do it. Some people give me joke advice, but there was this guy a while ago. Oh, that's right. He was interrupting one of the shows and he was sitting right up near the front and he was really bringing it on and uh, then uh, he said he should go on or something and I went absolutely like let's I'm all for that like let's get the guy up there and he goes up on stage and he starts right away like he was really looked like he was going to bring something but he goes up and he gets the little freezy pants and then he starts to talk a little bit and I go, boo! I go, you suck! And all this kind of shit. Welcome sure to the stage! <laughs> yeah, put some polish on it. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. Kind of, he got his comeuppance. Yeah, it's, of course it's hard to get on stage and I know I get people, I ran into a guy, he's riding on the, down the gorge there and I, spots me and he, I think it was a guy I kicked out of a bar years ago and he goes hey what are you doing and I said oh just coming back from comedy he says oh yeah uh, uh, what do they pay <laughs> and I go hmm. I don't know what, 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 what are you thinking of what, you know what's up he goes uh, I do a show but it's like a couple hundred at least you know and all this stuff. I said oh yeah well Monday nights are open mic and you can go up there and uh, you get a three-minute thing, you know, this kind of stuff. He goes, oh, man, I got 30 minutes. I just go, it's just so delusional, right? I would just yeah. walk in to show up. Yeah, that'd be great. I have a cousin, uh, every time I phone him over the years, he knows I do comedy, and he always tries to tell me these jokes to tell, big, long ones, too. Boring. <laughs> I, I just go, oh, my God, help me. And uh, one night, I think I'm just going to write down as many of them as I know, and just dedicate the show to my cousin. Just go ahead and just do go, that. <laughs> this is what my cousin thinks would go over here. Uh, remember, this is my cousin. You're going to hear some words nobody uses on stage at all. It's just the most politically incorrect shit you've ever heard. <laughs> we, we have heard some pretty bad words on stage. Oh, words don't do it. It's, oh, you, it's the sentence in them, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, no, I say that. As a rapper, too, I use all sorts of words, and uh, it's part of the performing arts. Okay. It's the way you go, right? Yeah. But here, I'm pretty tame. Like, I yes. think I just have stories. I don't need to all of a sudden throw shock shit in anyone's face. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think you have a joke about a hooker. 
Uh, that one I remember because you've done it quite a few times. Oh, quite a few times? Or, I think I've done it. Or the escort. Yeah, yeah that, that one. Yeah, I think that's just because what it is, it's making fun of the fact that, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I like that one, the escort joke. And it's funny because I got to do it a couple times. There was one because I I been uh, I won that uh, five hundred dollar thing at the keynote one time. So I come up on stage and I show people the ticket. I go, so things have changed. I'm going to be getting off the stage pretty quick here. I'm going to uh, get myself a room, have myself a hot bath, and all this kind of stuff. And I'll still have money left over for uh, about a three hundred dollar escort. I have been I've had my eye on. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't care how old she is. You know, good rear end and that. Oh, yeah, she's got to have a hatchback. Because <laughs> yeah. later I'm going to go down Gorgia Rock Bay and bang a hooker in the back of it. Uh, see what I mean? It's see where go. we went there? So it's just <laughs> horrible. You edit that out if you want. I don't care. Well, if you, oh, you want to save that? Save it. Save I don't want to save nothing. I'm okay. moving on. I'm telling you telling stories. New jokes? Yeah. Well, then, yeah, we'll call this a... I, I don't know what you call it when you record a joke and then release it and now it's out there for the public. Um, are you, like, are you, do you have a trajectory or are you just, do you just go with your life as it is, just go with the flow? Because I feel like I'm maybe wrongly ambitious about, like, oh, I'm going to get big and I'm going to get famous. Do you still look at stuff like that? I. Not to say not you're an old this guy, world. but of um, comedy is not where I'm seeing a growth thing in me uh-huh. it is definitely an aside okay where I'm continually growing and developing is in my school oh um, perfect yeah it, ma- it brings out the best in me and I see that people the athleticism that people bring to the game and how we learn to work together like people come to me for a reason and it's unbelievably fulfilling. So, yeah, I really like it. Okay. And I do consider myself extremely young right now. I don't yeah. know what happened. <laughs> I feel incredibly like I go, other than the fact that I have a lot of injuries, you know, that kind of makes me feel like people say, well, hey, you know, you're getting up there. You're in your 60s now. You're pretty old. You know, I wonder you're going to get these aches. And I'm like, look, uh, that t- time that I was bent over and I was all wrecked up with my ribs, because I fell out of a tree. It's not an age thing, okay? <laughs> Sometimes I get uh, punched really hard in the wrist again, and my wrist bone crashes into my skull and it uh, fractures two bones in my wrist. You know, that mm-hmm. shit, shit happens. Yeah. Age. You know, the only time I don't get any ageism shit is when um, uh, on a jiu-jitsu mat go mm-hmm. to these tournaments and I go get geared up and I'm going to go do my submission grappling yeah. and nobody looks at me funny or treats me weird it's a little nice gesture hellos by everybody and, and so right. respectful yeah. you know some people have I've heard of more than one comedian want to make really nasty references about MMA people like it, it's as if they're uh, I, one lady's here she goes one time she goes yeah he was uh Oh, yeah, he was also into his MMA, so a douchebag, mm. you know, and I'm kind mm-hmm. of going, hmm, that's nice. Um, and turns out that a lot of the really accomplished schools and the product of those schools are some very upright, amazing, cool people. Uh. I mean, they're not all cut, 
catcalling <laughs> each other and being shitty to each other. They're really respectful. Mm. They're going to do like their it. thing on the mat, and it teaches that kind of thing. But, yeah. I don't know. Sounds like I easy. guess, yeah, every profession has its shitty people in it. Oh, so. no kidding. <laughs> yeah. 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 And every every profession has has uh, stand up guys like well stand up, <laughs> but yeah, yeah also yeah. like good people yeah. So how are we doing for time? Oh, uh, there's a little. That's we've done an hour. Yeah, it's an hour. Huh? Um, what else do I want to get to? Uh, um, let's. Well, I don't want to play the favorites game. I was going to ask who's your favorites. But there's so many good guys, in, like in comedy. But uh, I do that, and and people are like, "Well, why didn't you mention so and so?" Well, first of all, all of the of the I'd say there's like five or six that on any time that depending on the crowd and the interaction mm -hmm. they can j jockey back and forth for who did the best that particular night mm -hmm. and of them the ones that I find you know for me often very entertaining and, and, and gets me you know stuff like that um, shit uh, Priestley you know yep. he uh, his presence is really interesting you know and 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 he seems and he changes too. Like he he, he will develop new things and it, and yeah. it, it's I always feel like I'm on his side when he does when he's doing a stand up. I feel yeah. like he's he's telling stories about his life and stuff and you're kind of rooting for him and yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, and I mean I I've seen several of the guys from up here absolutely kill downstairs. Yeah. And so when they get their little guest spot to do their thing, um, they really shine. Because this is a tough room up here. Yeah. You go downstairs and people are expecting they're going to play along. Here's the yeah. comedian and stuff. And stuff. But so, yeah, they, I think they're nice new wave of people definitely going to come popping out of this thing. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. I like that thought of, of yeah, that, that this is a place, like Victoria can be a place... I don't know what it's like with other cities, but yeah, that we can be a place where comics like people can hear about. Yeah, like this guy, this guy, this guy all came out of Victoria. Yeah. Well, I I pictured like I when I saw them all at the beginning, and then I missed a few because I was away for four and a half years. So a lot of these people are, are almost brand new to me, yeah. and I'm as, as almost as new like to you. So, yeah, yeah. So that, um, and I've seen these improvements. And these steps up, and I know the ones that see. Some people go comedy takes you know quite a while. Like it's it's, it's a, a number of years in development until a person can really have a full set of da da da. And I go, mm -hmm. yeah, as long as you're progressing in that six years, you know, like you can't just be, uh, oh, now my six years are in and I'm a comedian <laughs> for fuck's right. sake. Uh, I like to see that people have some momentum and growth when they're doing shows, right? Yeah. And you see a lot of it. There are some people that I think could be showcased, you know, like they're just amazing characters. You know? I love them all, too. Like, yeah. the funny thing is that uh, training them all now, we're all, like, it, it is, it's kind of becomes like a family sense of this thing, and it's like, and it's separate from our comedy, mm -hmm. but somehow 
something about them shines through more to me. I don't know what it is. I don't know. It's contact, I guess. You feel that contact. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm, they light me up in a way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I understand that. Totally. Chelsea can be absolutely mesmerizing with her. her Chelsea Lou is yeah, yeah. really interesting in, in, in the way she... In her comedy, her, she tells like a story that's sort of a yeah, well, rant. I guess. Yeah, no, she's great. And uh, does uh, she come out to boxing too? Yeah, she's one of the. Yeah, okay. Any other ladies do uh, your training? Um, yeah, there are a few. Yeah. A few. Okay. Yeah, they um, and some staff here at the hotel. Oh yeah. And, and the owner of the hotel. Yeah. Some maintenance at the hotel. <laughs> basically, anyone from the hotel. Yeah, I made a joke that yeah, if a war comes, then this hotel will be like able to defend itself. <laughs> well, if they make the recruits, so what I've actually discussed the full uh, uh, strategy on that, like even earthquake or anything. Oh yeah, huh. the owner is on board with this. Yeah, if things got into an emergency situation, water supply, this that, this that. This place could be shut down very, very quickly. The downstairs pump, especially if it survives the earthquake. Mm -hmm. And the owner and myself and a few people, uh, and I think about a dozen women, will all be uh, able to take over that area and will be uh, set. Like, I don't want any trouble. Yeah, I do have an army. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, earthquakes, eh? I guess we're that got a lot of yeah. mileage out of the comedians. Remember that earthquake? Yeah, we had a little earthquake, and everybody was yeah doing oh, jokes. Was, about they it. talked about it for a week. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard no. much. No, yeah, just yeah. That really the next one's not going to be fine. There'll be no jokes <laughs> yeah, about that it's one. It's a big one. I suppose. I mean, yeah, we want to be. Yeah, uh, you want to be able to joke about anything, but I don't know if it's big enough. I suppose we might not have a ratfish to come to you. You know, know the problem is that I, it's going to be really nasty because a lot of us, um, when we used to watch the news, you'd always hear about these areas in the States, tornado alleys and stuff like this, and there's always trailer parks there, you know, and stuff like this, and people would be going, why the fuck do they live there? You turn it's called Tornado Alley. Well, we're on <laughs> Earthquake, Quakeville, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, we pointed our finger at people for being ignorant about where they live for too long, you know, well, it's going to be coming back at us. Yeah, every every place in the world, there's something sure. that'll kill you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell. Yeah, I ain't scared of nothing. <laughs> well, and I, I, I mean, if you get killed, you, I guess you had a good life, good run. No kidding. <laughs> Look how old I am. I'm happy as hell to go. I mean, yeah. I, I would feel sorry for you kids, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> had a lot of life left in you. <laughs> and the earthquake got them all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else we got? But yeah, we got nice weather here in Victoria. Nice earthquake weather. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they say there'll be ten years of mild, mild winter, and then all of a sudden, just one big frack. Um, no, I'm not off the subject of that. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got. I don't know what else should we talk about. I wouldn't want to be um, a heckler in this room. You know, this is the, it, the thing is, they're outnumbered. Anybody who shoots their mouth up off in here, right? Like when yeah. people make a mistake and they start actually taking it too far, they'll get. Like I, you know, you, you might be lucky to leave alive. 
I've heard it gets Maybe. pretty intense. Yeah, I don't know why I'm still fixated on that. I can't <laughs> stop thinking about it. It's just kind of got to mellow out. Yeah, um, and the host usually mentions something off the top of the show. Yeah, about the how the you know you keep your mouth shut during the performance or yeah. or something like that. Please don't heckle. Um, but sometimes I think, especially if people are drinking, you can. I don't know. I think you can still go a few more steps in give, getting that message across. I think there has to be a way. Maybe not, but I think look for that way of of saying please shut up. I don't know. I like to be a nice guy, but sometimes, sometimes they're like, shut the fuck up now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just that's what I mean, though. I when I'm at a show and the disturbances begin. And I'm not even talking about heckling. I'm talking about people at tables being drunk ass and oh, loud, sure. right? Yeah. I feel shitty for the people around them, how uncomfortable and tense that gets because it's really hard for someone else sitting at a table to address another table and tell people, hey, you want to keep it down? Because you, people are afraid. They don't know what they're going to be dealing with, right? And if the comedian's interacting with them, maybe that could throw things off too, but somehow when it gets a little bit out of control it can get a lot out of control I've seen nights kind of go a little bit smushed downstairs too Mm -hmm. where I've just been I can't take it and you just I fantasize about just going over and ripping someone out of a chair and they never seen again Uh, I don't know (laughs) not that I go that far were you here for Sean's it wasn't a heckler well there was a heckler on last Thursday well yeah I was here um and there was this yappy girl over yeah, there. Yeah, like a blonde girl. And I, yeah, yeah. He's so cute and funny. Shut up. And yeah. then another guy comes in, and he's kind of like Jabba the Hutt, motherfucker. And he's eating wings, and he's going, ring, man, ring, man, ring. And so I'm thinking, I've got, i got to go. I'm starting to oh, yeah. get all jingly yeah, in the nerves, and I go home. And uh, then I come in the next day, and they said, yeah, there was an incident where I guess somebody... Got a little over the top on the mic or something like that, but yeah, uh, there one a comic came in. We nobody knows him, but I so I I assume he's somebody who either hasn't been doing it for a long time or or even a first time. But he's from L.A., isn't that the guy? I well, no, that was the that was the Jab of the Hut guy, <laughs> was from L.A. He was he was a heckler, but he wasn't as bad. Um, but yeah, this comic guy, uh, he he just showed up and he he asked. Evan for a spot. Evan said, "Put him in the lottery," which I always go for the lottery spot. Um, and then Evan, he didn't win, win the lottery spot. Uh, who got it? Robin Valerie, I think. Was it Robin? Anyway, yeah, some. I think it was Robin. Um, or maybe it's somebody else. Uh, but yeah, this comic then asked Sean for a spot, like. Because he, he was because he didn't get the lottery, he was like, I really want a spot, which I guess you can understand. Like if somebody's ambitious, they're like, Yeah, no, please, like give me a chance, you know. So I guess Sean gave it to him, but then he stunk it up. Like his jokes were he he just wasn't good. Uh, which is, I mean, on a Monday show, we're kind of like, Okay, fine, your jokes weren't good. A lottery spot, okay, fine, you sucked, you got the lottery. That's that's why it's called lottery. Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose when someone's in the middle of a Thursday select show, it's sort of expected, I don't know, higher caliber and stuff. So there was that, that he stunk. And he was his material was like 
aggressive against uh, there was a group of students or something so he was putting down their degree I think I mean he was trying to be funny I think but it came off as just like being trying to be mean to them basically trying to insult them and then he tried to insult Morgan and so it just and then he ran the light that's the I talk about your the big crime in stand-up comedy is he wouldn't get off the stage when the red light was flashing, and even Sean came to came up there to get him to get off the stage, and even then he was still giving Sean lip, and I mean I I don't I guess this is maybe is inexperienced because you think oh it's stand-up comedy I can just say whatever I want but it's there's there actually are rules in in it. Like and the main one is shut up when you're not on. It's not your turn. Mm-hmm. So that that happened. I don't know if this story is agitating you, but this, these no, it makes me excited. So I, yeah, I had heard smatterings of the, of the story because and stuff. But I've also um, I had heard a, a couple of stories about some other comedy club about the, something in a squamalt one time, and uh, uh, one person in the crowd uh, absolutely. Ruined apparently the whole night. It's just a, a drunk older dude that wouldn't give up the ghost. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my god. Yeah. But uh, that being said, uh, I, as much as it sounds like it's a big issue and it really, really something that agitates me or something, I come here all the time and I'm at all the shows and I'm yeah. and I support it 100. percent And I love, you know, like I said, these have become a, a part of my life. You know, it's it's. Yeah, it's really neat. Yeah, yeah, it's still a positive place to be. Most, mm-hmm. yeah, despite having little hiccups and yeah, just weird people showing up. Yeah. yeah. What part of town you live in? Are you? Are you? Uh, I well, I'm staying with my parents right now. In um, it's near Gordon Head. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, up there. Yeah, I I use cycle. I have a bicycle, so yeah. I cycle down. Here. So th- your neighborhood shows signs of urban decay, or is it pretty? Uh, oh, you're rustic. You're out somewhere, <laughs> aren't you? Don't you have a big spread? So well, yeah, where my parents are, yeah, it's like a, it's like an acreage, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, so there's the neighbors are far enough away that you don't even see them, um, and it's right next to Mount Douglas Park. So yeah, yeah, it's nice. There's that. It's I think it's technically agricultural land reserve, like it's. So my mom has chickens. So yeah, nice. Yeah, we didn't have any animals for a long time, but yeah, my mom just recently got some chickens. So cool. It's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking to move myself. I uh, I live just across the street there. It's not working mm-hmm. out too good. Oh, it's not. No, it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's too bad. Yeah. It's, it's that's the other. If if there's any real anxiety in my life, it's the fact that I live there. Like I, I can't believe that I'm I, I'm stuck in such a weird environment. Like I can't. Yeah, I live basically a big closet in a, in a house, right? That mm-hmm. um, I can't. I don't use any of the other house because of the filthiness of my roommates. It's like it's okay. Like, so you yeah. live with roommates? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in a basement. Are you gonna get them to listen to this? Thing? Uh, no. <laughs> um, actually. <coughs> uh, they disturb me so much that I've actually sometimes I get this kind of fantasy thing about like killing them and stuff and uh i always go god i should never you know come on don't do that you know stuff because everyone gets caught you know you need an alibi 
Hmm. If you're okay. going to pull off something, the Love biggest it. thing is an alibi. So, like, from what time is it now? 12. Yeah, it's a good thing you're doing this podcast from right now. From 1 till 2, I was here with you, and everybody knows yeah. it because it's a podcast. Yeah. About well, I mean, I can vote, vouch for you. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to just take my time. We'll just sit around <laughs> for a few more minutes. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't uh, fantasized yeah. about four hours a day of <laughs> fantasy? I told my landlord the other day, I said, uh, yeah, we need to talk. I said, I, I go, uh, uh, I don't need to pay you rent. I, you know, like, like, you get it? Like, I'm going to probably, but you better listen to me. I go, mm-hmm. um, there's a nightmare going on with these mental defective, subhuman, whatever they are, roommates in that place. I, I go, um, the bathroom atrocity and stuff. I do not use the bathroom here, and I don't use your kitchen, and I open doors with my sleeves. I, I, wow. I'm living in a shitty place, and I mean shitty. So um, he assures me that my roommates are both leaving, and I will. he was going to clean up my whole place and all that kind of stuff and make it decent, mm-hmm. and we'll see because uh, I've had enough. Could I live at your house? How big is your an acreage, eh? Yeah, about, could you guys have a tent in the back? Bathroom we we have had tents in back there before. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a long way out for me, though. I've got to come in here. You got a bicycle, right? So I do. Yeah. yeah. Can you double ride <laughs> someone on there? You know how to do that? Guys sitting on the bars. Yeah. Uh, good. Well, guess we covered a lot. I don't know. Did you have fun? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. This is good. Uh, yeah. Uh, I liked learning about your, yeah, your backstories, and I you probably have more stories that we could get oh, into. Oh shit! I know. I tell you, like I mean, the thing about that thing about the lie detector system guy is that he thinks that my story, uh, and the adventures and the stuff that I've been through, and especially the the traumas and stuff, he goes, uh you would become a subject X in this experiment in that there's no system better than this system. If these experts, there's people that can read a person and they know how to tell. And he goes, your stories will seem uh-uh, a little <laughs> bit too incredible, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and they're all, and it's not a big colorful exposition of Gary's wonderful life, believe me. It's dark, <laughs> you know. Like oh, there's yeah. some rough, rough stuff, and and like, um, I I'm so blessed that I get to um, live out a, a life that's very routine and small world, but big on the inside. Like it's just so much interaction and, and things going on for me, mm-hmm. and yet I'm pretty limited. I, I I I try to keep things on a real even keel and really simple. Yeah. Like if I lose my keys, I might lose my mind kind of guy. But everything's been working out a lot for me lately. And uh, it's great. Okay. I, yeah, you listen to my podcast. Do you, do you listen to other podcasts? Also? Um, I've listened um, to um, a lot of, I don't know if they're, they're not podcasts. I, I listen to lectures on oh, cool. uh, YouTube on subjects that uh, jump out at me uh, I I get in little phases where I want to highly further my education in certain 
topics and does a lot of up-to-date stuff and you get to actually tune into these really neat lectures by people that are top of the line and what's uh what what recent one do you remember um, i oh that was a rough one though i i i looked at a, a history uh blurb on a, a piece of history that's that's really sad as about a, a bit of a uh, an ethnic thing, is it a cleansing that happened back in the it's 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 before that, and uh, it's called the forgotten one. But I knew all about that history from uh, studies before. Mm-hmm. But then when you see the uh, uh, full effect of it, um, and the modern take on it and, and and stuff, and you see that where the Nazis' machine for extermination is based on that um, system that was employed. Okay, like our <laughs> residential school system, that kind uh, of thing? No, I'm like uh, using cattle cars to transport people to be executed and buried and burnt and oh, gassed okay. and, yeah. and stuff. And <clears throat> a lot of other dark history in the world other than World War One and Two, you know, and, and stuff. But uh, the other thing that I like is uh, neuroscience stuff and a lot of um, uh, studies in, in those fields. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Uh, it's a big part of my studies, and D- and do you how how in depth do you get when you listen to like what sort of level of lectures do you listen to? Um, in the brain science category, um, some of them are the alterations in neurotransmission through either um, injury or uh, different things. There's, there's these uh, microbiological phenomena going on. It's, well, it's, it, yeah, yeah. it explains yeah. mo- mainly how we view a lot of things like Alzheimer's and that too as plaques and certain upon oh, autopsy. Yeah. When you dissect the ba- brain, you're looking at things and you find these bodies and, and things in there. But there are other things are um, the uh, effects of trauma and uh, uh, on the brain and the different types of injuries and manifestations. Mm-hmm. Now, with mine, I uh, have a primary generalized type of seizure disorder that uh, it just starts and it explodes through the entire head very quickly and has a giant spike and wave. And, and um, I don't, can't take any meds for it because the thing that you're supposed to take for this particular thing uh, inflames my liver right right away. So I invented other chemical cocktails through my doctor of ideas to sedate me and stuff. But what I've learned is is that um, the neuromuscular activity that I create through training absolutely somehow keeps the, the boogie thing away. I still have seizures, but they're not crippling, and I and I could and I and I handle it. And you have to be strong yeah. to do this. So my training part all works out great. But um, I wrote a paper once, and I had a few lectures that I gave to some um, epilepsy and Parkinson Foundation people, and some people mm-hmm. that suffer epilepsy. And mine was um, psychophysiosophy and the treatment of seizure disorders, and it was about how exercise can. Uh, uh, increase a type of activity uh, in your uh, neuron and firing system right. when muscles are activated to a certain level and it alleviates and, uh, a lot of the uh, misfiring that 
starts to take over a person. Now, it works for me, but it never got carried very far because uh, you would never tell people to stop taking their meds and exercise to <coughs> cure something. Okay. Know? Well, is it, yeah, I guess it's a one, two, like you have to stop taking your meds also? I don't know. I, I couldn't train. Well, that's why I, the other thing about the meds was I found that I could train at optimum without meds. and mm-hmm. But on meds, even they, how p- powerful they were, I could still function. It was weird. I, I, I could still train and do s- things. I even fought on drugs that you should be in a home. Yeah. <laughs> right. Bizarre. But now I'm not on any. I haven't had any meds for five or six months except on around New Year's I took uh, three pills and I had an accident that night, fell down, and everything. It's like, shouldn't have done that. Yeah. But I'm all good. Uh, do you have any interest in psychedelics at all, or is that not um, really I your wheelhouse? I'm very interested because, first of all, part of what I came to understand about uh, the neurological impact of having the type of rebound effect I had in myself, mm-hmm. when I said things got altered in there, what I'm talking about is that you might activate a chain of a peptide uh, involved in... uh, We have a lot of neurotransmitters. We've only identified and the function and a full extent of about five or six of them. There's a thousand. And there's all these types. Mine, um, what makes a person get wonky and weird and shit is... um, you create a kind of psychedelic in your own head, and I think that's why I was so wrapped up in um, uh, my own little world of Gary Land a lot. Okay. And in my adulthood, too, when I got really hurt a couple of times, I knew things. It's called altered awareness, for one thing, and it's mm-hmm. like when people do their, what's the one that is the most popular? MDMA? Or no, uh, acid? LSD? Nope, the one that... Mushrooms? DMT. Psilocybin? Oh, what is it? I think it's DMT. Okay. Dimethyltryptophan, maybe, and it's something that comes out of um, a plant in South America and something, and it's found in it's like the god particle of this of of psychedelics. Yes. One neuroscientist guy was hearing out what I experienced during seizures and afterwards and things, and he goes, um, "You absolutely have." in response to what happens during your seizures and stuff, you're on a trip. Like, mm-hmm. you have recreated, a, mm-hmm. uh, you, you've tapped into something that is, that's why you have those experiences. And I'm like, oh, holy cow, well, that's the fun part, you know. The bad yeah, part is right. disconnecting yeah, yeah. your collarbone or, or, you know, getting really hurt, yeah, yeah, suffocating, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. it can be rough. Well, one other thing related to just what we were talking about before I wanted to ask are you in any way spiritual or or like do you have religious beliefs of, of any kind you don't have to answer if you don't want no you know I had experiences and again I attribute it to the fact that I had an altered chemistry mm-hmm. and yet some of them really stood out like I tell you, it, it, it actually, in the, one of the very first parts of this book, it relates to the fact that some, I, uh, the first thing that I would call a, a really interesting spiritual experience, um, all my life, 
I had experienced a sense of spiritual mystery. When I was six years old, a girl I had grown close to died. She never told me of her illness, but as I sat in school on opening day of the second grade, I felt a chill. I looked around for her face. Something was making me feel strangely anxious. Suddenly, I felt her presence, warm and soothing. As our teacher made the announcement, I smiled and kind of cried. This was greater than any words or thoughts. This was spiritual communion at the moment that will live with me forever, as she will. And what happened was, on the last day of school in grade one, she asked me to go sit with her uh, under this tree in the schoolyard. And she told me that she loved me, and uh, she kissed me. Wow. And it's the first kiss, you know. And she said that she won't be coming back because she had a hole in her heart. And uh, I wasn't, you know, fully aware of the situation and stuff. But, uh, yeah, she died. And But when the teacher was making the announcement, and I didn't write about it in the book, an image of her floated off the blackboard uh, towards me. Now, when your head is in a state of, of, you know, suspended shock or whatever I was going through, yeah. that thing really rang true. And I, I wrote a rap about her and everything. Huh. And it, it, it was, it, it was I, I, I throw it into a beat like uh, that one about uh, P. Diddy does about Biggie. It, they, that beat, uh, Missing You, I think it is, or something. But uh, I, I should sing it. Do you, like for me? Like yeah, would you? you want to hear it? I definitely do. Yeah. Yeah, it goes. The dream goes on. I feel you near. I reach out to hold you, but you disappear. There is no love. My life lies still. In the depth of my soul, there's a cold, lonely, lonely chill. I awaken with the pain. Search for your face. A vision of beauty full of heavenly grace. Soon you appear from a gold-lit mist. An angel to save me, you hold me, we kiss. My spirit arises, we fly far away, and the dream goes on till I wake the next day. That's the thing. And uh, that was all, um, uh, yeah, just a memory that I held on to and stuff like that. Like that yeah. Story. But I had a few other where um, near-death experiences from extreme situations. Um, and always, uh, there was one for sure where I don't know why but it seemed like there was a force field around me and i was being really really brutalized and mm -hmm. i came out of it way better than i should have because mm -hmm. i think they thought they killed me anyway so mm -hmm. you know i'm okay <laughs> just a little shook up <laughs> yeah uh what else but then you know i never uh really thought about doing any rapping or anything musical Mm -hmm. as I was training people and going through my problems in life as I got older and stuff. But yeah. then when I, um, about seven years ago maybe, I was told uh, I had to have something taken out of my throat, uh, a growth that went up into my limp up there and to the base of my tongue and they had to take out a hyoid bone there and stuff. Oh, yeah. And they said one of the things you signed the waiver for is that you may not be able to speak after Ooh. this thing that's one of the problems because the cords everything's all wrapped around there and you got to dig this shit out yep. so um, 
I get my drink on and I go to a place called uh, Sopranos and I was sort of going there anyway just for fun because it stayed it was a big karaoke club it was like Sodom and Gomorrah shit it, anyway yeah. um, I uh, decided I was going to uh, get the balls to go up on stage and do some singing and see what that's like right so I went up and I think the first thing I did was Hurt by Johnny Cash, and then I did some Dylan and stuff. But every time I, uh, and when I'm training and everything, all the music that goes through my head is hip-hop rap stuff, right? Really oh, yeah. written good. And not all gangster either. I, I like I like the light stuff, and real, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I, uh, I do a couple of rap songs, and it's like you can either rap or you can't. I definitely mm-hmm. can and I used to do duets with some of the most wonderful women singers in, in Victoria. They'd be my Alicia Keys, or oh, yeah. my, you know, come on up, B, and stuff. So I had a great, great time, and I got pretty addicted to it. I was kind of like I lived for that microphone. I want, mm, I'd do, yeah. go on three or four times a night, and, 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 and that launched that side of me. But uh, then comedy was the other uh, challenge, you know. It's kind of like, yeah. Uh, let's see if if you can get back up up there and actually carry on the way a comedian does and, and yeah. pull off a show. And I got to the point where I actually did. I I, I got to do a, a a pro night downstairs, and I I was supposed to do three minutes, but it went seven something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the that was the shameful. Do you get in trouble for that? Um, not as much as I should have, because they can be pretty. They know you here. Well, too, so. yeah, still, I was warned. You know, oh, yeah. it's just like you do three minutes. So I, I get announced by Jason Lamb as uh, this is Gary. I like hanging out with him. He's da da da. Builds me up. He says he's a rapper, and so like they're building it up. And then he yeah. goes, he's also in a submission jujitsu championship this weekend. Gary Barker, everybody. So I get up there. And it was so sweet because I just walked up and turned around. And I go, and they're looking at the old man standing there. And I just go, not what you were expecting. And uh, <laughs> lots of chuckles right away. And then I said, uh, uh, yeah, I just found out this wasn't a paying gig. There's going to be some changes made around here. And I go, three minutes set. And I go, I ain't no soft-boiled egg, motherfucker. And I went on for like seven minutes doing the cat-licking story, the whole world. Oh, yes. It was a great one. And, uh, but I've never been invited back. Uh, I got to announce one of the shows, mm-hmm. you know, with the voiceover guy at the beginning. Oh, yeah, sure. I did a great job on that one, and it was quiet that night. I think okay. I command respect. I, <laughs> I should do that professionally. Actually, yeah, yeah. That's your, I that's just your laid niche. it out. I, I, you know, I talked to them like little kindergarten children, and I said, look, there's just the ABCs, folks. <laughs> it's etiquette. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, but somehow, that's that thing again, going back full circle. I wish that it was like a movie theater, and people just shut the fuck up. But you see, I don't even know about movie theaters. People sometimes no, say, sure oh, yeah, that's why, but why do people get away with that? Like in some places, somebody might shoot you, you know? But here, I guess we just sit there and we just, uh, what? Well, yeah, yeah I, know. I guess, I mean, Canadians are really polite. Yeah. That. Well, I guess. Yeah, nothing's gonna erupt anywhere though. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, there's footage of things happening at comedy clubs and and stuff like that on YouTube and stuff. Yeah, I sometimes catch some of those. Yeah, and it's sometimes it's the comics themselves too. Like it's well, not just audience members. There's a lot of unbalanced comics. Can you yeah. imagine living on the road and doing bars oh, wow. all the time? God, I mean, yeah. 
I imagine it all the time because that's the sort of thing I would like to get into. But I know that, yeah, you're up against, you know, you got to be ready for anything. Yeah. I had a couple jokes about some of the comedians that were aspiring to be, be on the road and do all that kind of stuff. And yeah. I witnessed a bunch of nonsense on Halloween night. Like, I'm just going, wow, like, uh, you better hope you don't go on a road. Like, you're going to mm-hmm. end up dead in a snowbank in Saskatoon or something. <laughs> like, no. You got to take care of yourself when you're going to be a professional on the road. Have you ever done t- any traveling for any reason? Yeah, I used to go to Hawaii uh, getaways when I was uh, uh, like first time was eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Yeah, I'd, I'd go and I'd be a beach guy and uh, <laughs> hang around, and uh, also went to the storm waves in North Shore of Oahu as a body surfer in uh, waves that a lot of people don't go out in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, that was my big adventure. I like that. Got yeah. ripped to shit. I, uh, I went to Hawaii with my school band when I was, I must have been 17 when I went there. I loved it. I'm still, I want to go back to Hawaii. I yeah. think it'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so, it was like, I, like I, maybe it was just the age I was, because when you're a teenager, stuff like hits you, but it was like, it was like magic. Yeah. Like, such a beautiful place. I loved it, yeah. Yeah, I didn't go with the school band. I went uh, by myself and uh, that, that ended would up be living on the on the beach and uh, ended up going to an uh, island called Maui, an uh, area called Lahaina. And back mm-hmm. in the 70s, um, if you were a guy wanting to come live on their beach and, and camp and all that kind of stuff, it was, uh, again, like all things in my life, absolutely perilous. Right. It was one yeah. of those dangerous existences I've ever, you know, been involved in. It was like they have gangs that, that hang out. Yeah, uh-huh. no. This is their their island, you know, sure. and uh, we're the only people, transient people, we're the only people mm-hmm. that they could kind of get away with beating to death and mm. mess with tourists or the military and stuff like that. But you can definitely go out and find surfers and people living on the, for free on your yeah. It's gross. Right. But I I sure I I go back for more. I went five <laughs> times in in, oh, yeah. in in short period of time. Yeah. Um, have you, like, uh, I guess you lived, on, did you say you lived on the beach, or how did that work? Yeah, uh, actually, literally on the beach. Do you beach. have a tent, or? Nope, no, we have, uh, um, we'd roll up these uh, uh, straw mats, uh-huh. and where we hung out on the beach was under this um, uh, undeveloped area. There's a cane field behind it on one side, and uh, we were in a bit of a tree grove that dropped these spiny spike things onto the sand so we we slept amidst this minefield of spikes yeah because we felt safer there people don't want to come fight in a bunch of spikes on the thing okay and the hawaiian guys they knew that tree <laughs> so mm-hmm. we would bury ourselves in the sand and put a mat over us and there was about uh six or seven guys some vietnam vet guys and some uh pretty heavy duty dudes that like their life to be just exactly what it was. They live on a beach. Um, they had fires, did psychedelics. Had a oh lot yeah. Of fun. And how? I guess. I guess how would they earn their money? I guess they'd be either dealing drugs or panhandling. They were no, no panhandling. Um, what they were were. Um, they get this. They called it crazy pay. These are guys that were in Vietnam. Oh, I see. Okay. And they get that, but it's very minimal. But what we did was 
at the hotels kids that were 17 years old maybe some of them were in a band who knows okay. they might have been visiting with a high school band but they, people would adventure walk and hike and they'd get past where the hotel reef is and they'd come around the bend and they'd see these guys and uh, we made arrangements and, and it was always uh, we had things that they might want mm -hmm. and they will uh, go uh, bring the money and we'll go get the beer and everything and hang out with uh, people on the beach because we were very entertaining and, okay. and stuff. I can picture, yeah, myself as a teenager, if I got, if I was able to to leave my uh, band group for a while, though, which they were very strict about that, but us all staying together. But I, I can imagine wanting to, just for the experience of it, just yeah. hang out with just guys. I mean, it's dangerous, but also A lot of people, amazing. when you'd see people heading towards us, not everybody would come visit. Mm, yeah, uh, it just yeah. kind of looks like a bunch of pirates washed up <laughs> on the shore. Yeah, yeah pirates. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, these guys there. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we had a lot of parties and stuff, and every full moon was also uh, that was acid and wine thing that they did. I enjoyed that. That sounds fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, I. Um, Do you like? Do you still keep in contact with anybody like people, or do you just? Is that how that? Do you just sort of hang out with them and be friends with them for a while, and then you're you're gone? What um, you mean, like people that I know now? You mean like mm. or from my past? Because my I've had like for thirty years I've I, I've gone through cycles of a lot of students and people and some fighters and and this and that and been that's that's the the thing that is always there. Um, my past in Vancouver is there is absolutely no ties except for my cousin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I got nothing. And uh, I, the people that I worked for back in the day at the highest level, that was the people I was tightest with. That was an organization that uh, we had to completely sever. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, and, and now I don't even know. But yeah. Yeah. But it's, I, always, I was telling someone the other night, I go, the richest, most crazy parts of my life are key stories between about 1975-ish to about 80, well, to about 86 when I moved back. Oh, yeah. Moved to Victoria. Yeah. And it's flat out this. They, 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 when I left Vancouver, I was told, never ever ever talk about our association and what we did okay yeah and we mean it because we love you blah blah blah, blah, blah but don't <laughs> da, 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 and i'm so tempted because they're so crazy well i don't want to yeah no, don't no, say anything on my no podcast. i'd have to kill you <laughs> no i yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, w I probably wouldn't make it all the way to my place they they, they wiretap everything <laughs> yeah, i hear buzz is going on a podcast let's see if he mentions this yeah, stuff from the 70s and 80s, yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't even know who I was working for back then. Mm -hmm. I thought it was uh, um, some people that I saw were fairly high profile, didn't know really what was going on, and then they are associated with the police somehow and all this kind of stuff. But Vancouver was just such a weird vibe that I got involved in that, but yeah. it was kind of like um, it was the only viable 
for and it was nice. Like I mean, I had nothing really heavy was going on, and everybody was uh, had control, and and um, I was treated so well. You know, like it was amazing. Learned a lot about respect and when to talk and when to. Da, 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 I would think, stuff. like, w- was there ever? Did people die? Did you hear about that? Like people, like people that you knew. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there were some things happen and, and and stuff like that, especially more in the connection between club owners and the fight game and different things mm. and the drug trade. Sure, like 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 weird things would would happen, but Vancouver is such was such a a. Uh, controlled alliance mm-hmm. that when you see, even now almost the violence that you see and hear about is not in core Vancouver mm. it's out in where the dueling punk gangs and different organizations are, are still vying for controls and stuff I but see. Vancouver is very tight there's there's four elements they all uh, interact and the city seems to be a bit like that people go oh Vancouver is not that uh, uh, it's because it is so intensely controlled amongst the people that run the shit. It's it is. It's a neat. It, uh, yeah. yeah. Do you a lot of cities don't have that privilege of having uh, an alliance amongst the uh, elements that make a city run. You know. Okay. Do you think things are different a little bit with now we have upcoming we have legalization coming up we have safe injection sites. Do you think that helps, or what do you think that changes dynamics? The pot game. That legalization thing, there's a billion-dollar enterprise that is organized crime that does uh, the biggest money uh, involvement at the highest levels of of cultivation and all that kind of stuff. I don't know how willingly uh, and how much power they have that will want to keep things the way they are. Mm. I think there might be a power struggle going on Mm. a, a bit between um, who's going to run the show and get all the money and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I've never seen pot as an issue. There's stores okay. everywhere. People yeah. can pretty much yeah. get whatever they want, and cops are not slowing down and going, hey, that guy looks like he might be smoking a joint. You know, no one cares. People are injecting all over the place. Like, we've fallen into a, a, a bit of a decay. And like I say, the underground parking there, it mm, was just yeah. drug paraphernalia all over the place the other day. You know, I go in there, and, and it's just like, wow. Right. Do we, we? I don't think we have a safe in, Do we have a safe injection site in so. Victoria? I don't know if it's the safe injection, but they have the exchange okay, stuff, yeah. the needle and stuff. Um, I think one of the things I noticed about in Vancouver, when they started these safe injection sites and stuff, the people that are more prone most prone to be at the level of addiction that is important. You've got to get your shit done and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's kind of like clinical in there, in those sites, and, and you'll sit down. They're more at home in the shadows. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like you know, yeah. And, and do your thing. It's part of the thing. We're all tying up together. It's hard to go in a place of bright yeah. light. Yeah, I want to sit over clean. there and <laughs> do a little blood work. You know, oh, that's no fun. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean we we have a lot of like small town drug problems like uh, all over the place, all through Canada and stuff. And where there's poverty, where there's issues and all this kind of stuff. And somebody, some system at play. Maybe that's the real dark side of crime. Has managed to infiltrate our society to the point that, boy, addiction sure catches on. You know. Yeah. It's like the Boxer Rebellion and stuff in 1900s. And in China, China yeah, yeah. Um, 
Oh, about the opium yeah. trade. And well, the, yeah. you know, these 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 uh, Chinese society of these, uh, they got some pretty uh, moral standards in the sense of uh, of uh, who how things and the order of society works and everything. Mm-hmm. And when you see a society succumbing to the addiction of opium and stuff like this and that, and they're going stop like people go oh yeah those Chinese started all that opium business no they did not no it, yeah the, they, the they, colonial they got colonialized yeah. and got turned into an opium output central right and then yeah. transportation across you know into the trade across and all that but uh, yeah those those boxers they stood up and said uh, you know get out. Is that know, name boxer? Is that because they were? We called them boxers, boxers because their exercises like looked like b- boxing. That's that's what the Western people saw, and in a sense, a lot of the uh, uh, stand-up katas and well, uh, styles that they practice and movements are it's fist fighting. It's, they're moving around and, and adding um, uh, kind of their own version of MMA back then. Uh-huh. It, so it wasn't necessarily like kung fu. It was it. it Something else, uh, kung fu, I guess. It's it, it, Taoist, like 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 the the boxers themselves look like uh, monks. So it is. Oh, yeah. It has that connotation, and like, like that's with what, the what shaved they heads and yeah. the, well, one ponytail. That sometimes, kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, but they uh, they practiced all those swords and stuff too. But mainly, it was the fact that they they, they looked that way. The Yu Hei Quan. The Brotherhood of Righteous and Harmonious Fists is uh, who that boxer uh, rebellion group was. They were the guys that oh, yeah. drew down. My school is called Hokwondo Way of the Harmonious Fist, and it's kind of along those lines. Um, I'm yeah. going to start a rebellion. Are you? I don't know what. Are you? Uh, do you? Uh, are you? Let me see. Are you? Do you have? Any hippie ideals or anything like that, or what do you think of? I don't know. You know, I think we got a lot of people that are on bandwagons to make things a better place, and they're butting heads with the things that are destroying things, and and mm-hmm. somewhere things will balance. I hope in the right direction and all this kind of stuff. I'm more worried about the deterioration of our intelligence and the way we behave and, and conduct ourselves as citizens of the world. Okay. You know, yeah. uh, that's an issue. Like, to me, I, I... We're not taking care of our bodies, our souls. Our behavior. Okay. How we are interact. Why there's so much freaking conflict and argumentation. And, like, I mean, people are volatile. People... Uh, a lot of it, again, in this book, I, I, I say there's a... It's just, like, everything is, seems to be... Contentious, like mm-hmm. people's opinions and all that kind of stuff, and we're evolving with our technology and all these things. We all know what to say about cameras and this and that, and, that, and then um, you're also an asshole and or a douchebag and, and a dumb person who does not <laughs> behave or and, yeah. and handle with uh, a decent conversation and interaction. I, I I love it when I get to meet people that show that they have. A grasp of that, you know. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. I've thought about that a little bit. Like we have this thing of we think of children as not knowing anything, and then sort of 
you reach an age where magically, like, now you're supposed to behave like an adult. But I think, like, in some kids, you see them very early on will know how to behave, and they'll, they'll kind of get it, and they'll be really good at it. And then some adults kind of never get it. This, this concept of, of one of the, the biggest manifestations of that is uh, the bully syndrome. Now, it's funny that they use a the word bully, which puts it in this infantile thing. Oh, yeah, there's some bullies at school and stuff like this. Um, but they're talking about children, right? Mm, now, yeah. the stuff that some kids are bullied with, like what happens to them, um, it should be called what it is, like assault. Oh, yeah. And sure. battery and these yeah. things that happen. Like if you um, are in a workplace, say you're a government worker or something like that, and someone doesn't like you and they come over and they uh, threw coffee in your face and kick you in the balls or something, <laughs> uh, that doesn't normally happen because they would like to because there's bullies all over the place, but they fear that that might get them thrown in jail or in trouble, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But we sort of let that thing slip with the idea of you've got to get some control over the children of the new age as they grow up through our schooling systems that that thing about bullying and it being just the way it is, you know, toughening them up and all this kind of shit. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of suicide and horrible tragedies happen in our in our world and it's getting worse and spiraling and people say, no, it's not getting worse. These things are going down and say, oh, yes, they are. And I think that the potential for people to go bonkers and, and lose their shit and do the wrong thing Violent react, you know, in these in these ways mm-hmm. is um, the like the ticking time bomb of, of of what I worry about most. Yeah, I well, it might be going down, but it still happens. So it, yeah, it's still a thing that we want to s- avoid. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, I see it everywhere, though. I mean, I mean, like like the way people uh, move within a crowd, the way traffic is and everything there's a lot of aggression that that just manifests itself you can see the way things are you know I yeah and again I'm really sensitive to it because I used to be trained to assess situations a lot and interact with them and so I pick up on especially things that are seem like a little are a little off or a little this kind of stuff but yeah we can edit all that (laughs) does it ever just does it ever just amaze you though like how smooth everything actually does like the fact that you can be driving down the street you know 50 kilometers an hour and then somebody's driving the other direction and you just pass it you don't even think you just they just pass each other well i guess i don't know if you you don't drive but the idea that we're just in these killing machines Mm -hmm. and there's millions of us on the road i think about all the time only i mean it's horrible when they actually do get in an accident or a confrontation but so much it's just so just people just Perils. go they're fine and and then once in a while yeah it's now my thing is i live across the street and i have to cross the gorge every day oh yeah and now there's a good strip of road there and it's well paved and it's double lane on both sides so it um people think it's a freeway uh, and there's yeah. a lot of speeding come down that thing so i walk up and i have to assess how to cross the street and the first thing I do is I don't address it. The, like I'm standing at the sidewalk waiting for someone to see me and <laughs> stop, right? You know, you let the fucking traffic go, and then you watch you very carefully, and then you bust the move. And I'm uh, athletic enough that I can get across that street with a good bounce. Yeah. And I do that because I'm a cautious human being. I don't want to get run over yeah. again. Uh, yeah. A few of those. Yeah, you've been... Yeah. yeah. Horrible. And then... At the same time, 
Cracky Joe and Dummy Magoo would just walk across the street blindly, head down, because it's a thing, and it's like cars are missing you. It's like a game of froggy. I don't even know what's going on. And then sometimes a guy will have a car will be zooming along because they're aggressive too, right? And this guy will be walking right into his thing. Mm. He always wins. That car will back down. Oh, yeah. You know, he'd sure. love to just make that guy run across the street, right? <laughs> That's what, because he's aggressive too. The guy's yeah, car, oh, sure, he wants to yeah. run him. You know, we're walking across the street and stuff. So, I will. I always go, come on, finish this. Let me see some <laughs> shit. And all of a sudden, the car will break right down. Yeah. Yeah, I win again. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm more cautious, and I don't really trust the fact that some guy behind that wheel might not be a real prick, mm. and just I didn't see him. Yeah. A lot of accidents, I think, that happened. Um, uh, This was known years ago, though, but I I observed it myself, is that people that uh, uh, have these collisions in intersections and uh, someone turning on an orange light and all these things, many, many, many accidents, there's time to stop. Mm. That people honk and they're mad. What do you do at turning? You only got a flash second to stop your fucking tank. You know what I mean? Like people aren't reactive because there's they got their sh- their own shit in the way, and that's why I you know and that's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking about the world. It's kind of a runaway train. People are the behaviors and the interactions. I'm probably not as at ease about it, the social s- phenomena as you are. Right. Well, I see it working because like why isn't everybody dead already? <laughs> right. Like uh, that's a miracle in itself. But yeah, there is like you get those cases where it's there's anger and there's problems and frustration. So yeah, you have that that you have to deal with. Yeah, um, I think that there's a lot of. Um, I do not if it's working. Where are all the well balanced? Um, what would you call it? Kind of like. Where where are the behaviors reflective of people that have evolved and, and everything's cool? I, I see that there's a lot of people that are hurting, a mm. lot of people with incredible issues. Half the comedians that I've seen get up on that stage, mm. I wonder about. I go, mm-hmm. what is going on? Is that Yeah, well, hurt? me included. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. a little bit. But, I mean, you, you, you're the in the in the healthier uh, view of, of my view of, of some of the people that go up there. You, yours appears to be part of your p- presentation, mm. a, 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 a nervousness and a pensive character, but <laughs> you're sticking to a rhythm and thing. But I've mm-hmm. s- some, um, I've questioned it. I've asked some people. I go, what's going on? Is that person okay? Like, 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 is it, is is does this? Is it just me, or does that person look like they might be suffering from shell shock or something, or maybe they've never. But anyway, you know, in a sense, that all works because some of those people that I'm thinking of are funny as shit. It works. Mm, They make everybody laugh, and they're getting better at the thing, but the presentation never changes. It's still, this is me. You know, it's it's interesting. You know, I mean, I'm not even. This is not putting anyone down either. Like I'm just going. It's funny, Bill. But in what I find about people is that um, in in the bar nights when things are busy and, and crowded and all this kind of stuff I don't see much 
in the way of happiness or mm. c- being content or really balanced and, and having and, and cool people. I see people that are uh, quickly racing to get drunk and devour wings or whatever you, your thing is and stuff like that. A lot of uh, people indulging their texting and I don't see it as balanced. I see something as like it's not that pleasant. It just seems kind of. Uh, but you know, I'm getting old. Maybe I'm just turning into one of these people that just kind of like that damn kids today with their, you know. Yeah. Well. Uh, and I'm not at all. What I, I see in you people. too is you're someone who wants to, imp- like, you have a desire to improve and fix, and so yeah. you you target problems. You're like, okay, how can we make that better? And and that's a real burden to carry because now you're looking at everybody's problems rather mm-hmm. than, yeah, being able to just be happy. And yeah, Maybe. I mean, uh, I'm not saying that you're not a happy guy. Well, actually, are you a happy guy? Um, given my living circumstances, it's amazing that I'm. Uh, my, one of my daughters asked me the other day. She goes, "Dad, you." It's amazing that you just let everything flow, and you just have such a. She knows, you know. I mean, she's my daughter. She knows my story, and and um, I kind of go, "Yeah, I don't get it. I I'm more wrapped up in thinking about." developing the next stage of my next class that I'm going to run and who I'm going to see at that time and, and a lot of things are developing that way sometimes I, you know what I used to think about all the time though when I first came back here comedy I spent all day just splitting myself up smoking a doobie and walking around going oh I can't wait to comedy and all this kind of stuff then I realized how hard it was again when I first came back and I'm <laughs> yeah. right on stage and I'm kind of like geez maybe I shouldn't have had that fourth MGD I'm fucking I got nothing but I was still pulling off something yeah. I had a persona up there and I've and no enemies I think everybody kind of accepts this yes Gary's this fellow um and uh and that but uh ow. again I get off track what was I saying about the pot with oh coming back to comedy yeah how hard it was yeah and then um I, I I go, well, how am I going to fix this? And I go, i got to come up with something. And I did my original routine that I did down at Heckler's years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was fresh. And mm-hmm. it worked really good. There's a, l- a few people in here that went, whoa, that was great. That was well done. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I go, that's the easiest thing I got. <laughs> and I don't like repeating mm-hmm. things. I'm not. Yeah. I don't like being a little circus monkey guy. I, I, go, <laughs> I go, oh, yeah. But then I tried it again. And it didn't work at all because I didn't even want to hear it again. Uh, I get sick of it. You know, I just go, yeah, okay. You know, uh, and then I uh, then I gave my cat about, you know, you know stuff, stuff. <laughs> uh, but now I think um, some of the times that I go up there, it is just the things leading up to the moment. And I think that's pretty daring, you know, like... I brought that belt to the show the other night, and it was great. Yeah, that's that guy, cool. Shraz goes, uh, I don't know about this guy, but everyone's talking about it. He's, I guess he trains people in the basement, in the parking <laughs> lot down there. And uh, I went up, and I said, uh, yeah, well, what you call a basement is my 3,000-square-foot indoor facility. i got a franchise, all this kind of stuff. It's just all based on that and then the story of the belt. And I like it that way. I like that I get a nice, warm reception and laughs. And it's an easy up and an easy down, right? Yeah. And uh, I think I'm going to be, from now on, in that direction. Just no pressure. Mm-hmm. I can uh, get up there, make a couple of words, like I'm making an announcement and leave if I'm not comfortable. Yeah, you know, for sure. If I can't kick a story up, you know. 
Although I seem to be able to step up to the plate when I have to talk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, and, and you know, I've ma- only mentioned a couple of comedians, like like uh, the ones that we've we've known like, like that. And it, uh, the two that, as I mentioned, that stick out is when I always want to see them and the face that they make and the way that they present, that, that, that's where uh, uh, Shane and, and Chelsea Lewis are the two that really get me in that mode. And then there's uh, sometimes someone will be doing something exciting, and I will get up from wherever I am so I can see what they look oh, like because yeah. I'm going, why is everybody laughing so hard? And I bet you yeah, it's their face. Mm-hmm. I bet it's the way they're, they're doing it, you know. And, uh, yeah. Like Darcy can get really crazy sometimes. Oh yeah, it's really expressive and super loud and stuff like that. He pulls that off very well. Yeah, yeah. and Miles is another real physical one. Oh, he's great. Like I mean, see, that's what I mean. If you just took the whole elite group of, of people that's, uh, that that have sort of put in their time too, these guys aren't just brand new. They, they, they yeah, know, they've worked at it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And uh, I, I think most of them were. Uh, kind of funny even right at the very very beginning yeah i saw shane's first thing he made everybody laugh the moment he got on stage yeah, yeah he yeah. walked up there and he was that thing about the not feeling very well it was really good <laughs> i don't want to say it because it might be one of his jokes but it's, it's yeah we really won't cool. rip off his it, joke <laughs> yeah and uh so as 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 you see these people develop like this room w- would be should be I could see it developed into a kind of a showcase special show lounge, you know, because it's talent that creates, you know, what happens. Like if if mm-hmm. if, if if you've got that kind of caliber, make more of it, you know. So yeah. all these guys have come to their time. Like I mean, I did it. I didn't train for four years at a boxing gym to step into the ring. I I I, I went from, you know showing up at the first gym that I trained in Sean quite well because I was raised learning these things Mm -hmm. but then I I I, I poured it on showed my passion for it and how good I was and I was like going they're going yeah I'm gonna fight for you and I thought me you know but anyway um if you have the talent it can just absolutely blossom and that's what I mean this, I, I like this place I, I can see it I, I want to be the yeah. manager for all of them I want to be like the mafia guy <laughs> I turn this into the real old school yeah I got myself a stable of uh, stand ups you know what I'm saying I love that and uh, yeah. nobody goes anywhere without going through me you know I always <laughs> ran this by the owners of hecklers and Aaron uh what did he say? He just laughed and said, that's not going to happen. But um, <laughs> I don't think he knows the power of what happens when you form a kind of a alliance. Yeah, when people work Canadians. together they on need, something. Yeah, yeah, they need to have somebody, a central figure, to carry the weight. Yeah. That would be me. I think I'd be really good at it. Well, uh, yeah, I hear that Canada doesn't... Like, Canadian comedians often kind of book themselves or, or they get hooked up into the net- network of bookers that... They don't. We don't really need agents or managers so much in Canada. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe somebody should do some managing. No, I th- well, uh, they do. Like that's why the, the guys that are the bookers, booking people for you know the, the main clubs and yuck yucks and all that kind of stuff, they do get a stable of people that are kind of contracted and they have uh, yeah, people they have. that set everything up. But here, 
we're kind of isolated this group that has as much talent as any of the uh, venues that are going on in Vancouver and stuff mm -hmm. in this room alone I have seen nights where I've uh, I've seen the whole room lit up because uh, it was busy enough and people got and, and, and the performers got stimulated enough to let it all out and I say yeah. these people should be like I could I could I want to own them all I want to be the owner <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Like they're they're really they're good, and I don't know how to um, how to put this, but like I think there should be more paid work for comedians. I mean, it, there is paid work for the for if you work at it and you get good at it. But I feel like it like and I mean I mean I can't say oh people should pay me for doing comedy, although on some level no I am worth you know worth something. I put in effort and. Earn, earn something, but I, it's something I guess you got to be patient. <laughs> I wouldn't expect, see, I've never viewed it that way, even in, in, in a yeah. little bit, I, because um, as a person who most of my life was wrapped up around either fighting or training, and, blah, 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 and you know how many people get paid in that reality? Hardly I have any. no idea. Okay. Well, it, it's, it's, a, worse than it's the worst. First of all, if you're good enough to be able to fight you and, and be able to go on a show and go on the road a little bit, like go on the road as a fighter, mm -hmm. um, you're going to go to uh, pretty rough venues and you're going to get beat down and hurt. And it's a very, very trying thing. And you make just enough to cover your expenses to go to try to build a record right yeah. and most people are inviting you there because you're going to be part of a record you're going to be a loss you're going to get beat down <laughs> by some guy building a record yeah. and yet people that stuck with it and kept doing it there were very little gain from it hmm. some of the best fighters in history that I know retired as amateur world champions and stuff they never even pursued the fame and fortune of it but here we don't have that venue anyway if you're great great in victoria mm -hmm. you'll make the transition somewhere to go and uh market yourself out find yeah. a, find an owner kind of man <laughs> i need to manage <laughs> sure yeah. yeah but i uh yeah it's not a uh, but yeah the, the ones that do they make a decent living obviously yeah like that it's 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 up there, and then there's the ones that really make a living, and I guess they're up there too. It's the same thing. It's about the same distribution as a uh, a champion fighter too, though. Mm -hmm. There'd be like a mm -hmm. few that make millions, and some that make you know in the something digits, whatever, and then some that uh, had to pave their own way on the bus to get to something in I don't know Ladner. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's just it's just a funny game. I guess like. Yeah, there are perks actually at this level. Like now that I, um, I've been doing it for about a year, you make a few little contacts, and you you do get stuff like the use of a room for <laughs> if you want to do a podcast, and like yeah, uh, stuff like you can go. I can go to any show in Victoria, and they don't ask, they don't want cover from me because I don't know why they. That's apparently a thing. Um, no, I know why I get that kind of treatment. Yeah. I don't know why you do it. I really don't. It <laughs> makes no sense. Like, we're up in this room because of me. Well, that's uh, true. You know, yeah. I got connections. So yeah. I don't stand in lines at clubs and stuff like that either. But mm. it's always straight to the VP, you know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you have definitely worked something into a viable interaction, and, uh, and there's perks of being yeah. involved in this whole scene. 
Yeah. I guess, yeah, I'm part of the community. Not a great part, but at least a <laughs> part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm just sort of some guy that snuck in at a, 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 a party that I wasn't invited to. I uh, do feel alienated, even though I'm training half of the people that are comedians, you know, and stuff uh, like that. Yeah. This room still, I feel like, this is their thing. This is what you people are all doing, and it's, it's, it's routine now. We're working on their stuff and all this kind of stuff, and yeah. I'm the dog or something walking around the room. You see, I always pace, you know, like I'm walking around, oh, should I do this or not? And then if I commit to it, then I know I'm going to do it. And then I go, yeah, sorry, I'm going to go on stage now, and I'm going to do my thing. And it's, I always kind of go, I want to get on stage and off, you know? Mm-hmm. That's my thing. I, I, I don't, it's hard going up there you know getting a little easier for me now because yeah. like I said why am I getting worked up about it I, I'll never memorize a routine I can't do that kind of stuff I'm not into it yeah. I've got other things on my mind sure yeah. Christ <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm creating 20 different formed individuals into a developed system of like it'd be like having uh, uh, you one of the things you had was to create a, uh, a band and, and, and everybody that brought their talents and you have to bring them all together and, and make it all work. People that are inspired by that type of teaching, believe me, they've got to be wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. They have to know what is wrong, how to fix it, and how to t- fine-tune, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so I don't even have all those comedy ideas running through my head anymore. Okay. I used to. I used to always just be sitting there, and I even had a book for a while. I'd write down notes because that's what comedians do. Yeah, I have a book. <laughs> no, I don't have a book. <laughs> I write books. <laughs> books. Uh, uh, no, it's well, it, it is weird um, stand up because it it's a form of art where it's like one person at a time, it, all the attention's on them for five minutes, and then nobody's else allowed to talk. And then as soon as they're done, it's like, okay, now the next person. It's all about them. And then so it, it, it is a community, but at the same time, there's, there's an a- aspect of it that's like these are individuals and these are like each person has their own thing. Yeah. I, uh, that dynamic the comedy dynamic up here about that thing about everyone having to be quiet and the decorum of a room and all like that. Well, this room's hard because, like I said, we're, a lot of us are just biding time till we're up, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and going to the thing. So it's not like, and no, here's the key. It, it's like a lot of the YouTube things that I see about things that happen in comedy clubs and stuff. They all look pretty much like a smattering of people, weird sound systems and tackiness and blah, blah, blah. But, mm-hmm. um, it's the way, it's the road to how you get there, I guess. Um, but, uh, what was the point? Oh, the, bu- the thing about my classes down there, grown-ups, people with lives come in gr- groups of up to about a dozen or 13, you know, people all standing around in a circle. And it's all about me. I get yeah. undivided attention, uh, no yeah. interruptions, and it's got to be the most wonderful thing. But then I get involved with each 
I pair people up, I do this, I'm watching for movement, and then I start creating different things that are starting to work. Everything's starting to, uh, and it's really overwhelming. Yeah. Like, like it, it, I, I can picture almost everybody right now exactly how they stand, hold their hands, and sort of move. Exactly, I can just go, and yeah, that's how wrapped up that brain can get into that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Do they do like when you, when you teach? Do you teach like sparring? Well, sparring is something you do. Uh, what I do is this: uh, I teach basically uh, how to stand in balance, well protected, with mobility, and then you develop that athleticism of it, and you learn to strike very, very hard and fast, and block with great vigor. So I'm building a person up physically to be how to stand up as as a fighter like be prepped that way mm -hmm. but with the added bonus of we are the ones moving and staying ahead of the game and I call you know a, a lot of finesse in what I do but it's also we're not uh, just runaway people we we're doing uh, a ton of push-ups for a reason and we work really really hard at it so yeah, my system yeah. is, you'd have to come and actually see it okay. to, to get a gist of it because it's its kind of like, well, we do this, we do that. And some of my guys are fighters, and they do spar. Okay. And that kind of sparring uh, is the only kind that I recognize. That's where two guys are actually going to um, test each other, and mm -hmm. you better know your block, and you better be good enough to handle it because it's rough and it's real. You know. Now, the rest of the people, they're training to get to that level. And no yeah. one's getting their face punched in or roughed up at all. It's okay. really nice. Yeah. yeah, not that. Yeah. Um, yeah. If 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 anybody, if my listeners or anybody listening to this wanted to start, should they just show up on Saturday or? Um, they could uh, do that. It's probably not now because there's about. Uh, it's kind of full. Yeah, and there's a Sunday class, but I do other classes throughout the week. I don't. People know who I am if they're if yeah, not they necessarily everybody, but uh, it's easy. I it, the grapevine is really wide on this one, and if people want to get a hold of me, I also you know the Facebook thing is what I say to most people. Message mm -hmm. me and say I hear you do training and could I get because I I like setting up one on ones with people. Oh yeah, sure. Figure out which class yeah, works. Okay. When would you show up? But you could show up on a Saturday though. Oh, I could. Okay. Well, yeah, I think. I think I might have to do that. Yeah, yeah it's worth a, a look. It's and it's it's gr uh, you know like that very first one mi in mid October we had our first get together down there, and uh, there was a couple of people that were quite athletic and and like I said and a lot that looked like really fish out of water. This is going to be so much fun because I like it when people really don't have a clue. <laughs> I don't like when people start going. Oh no, I was, I, I was taught to do this or I was taught to that, and I go, you know. Uh, that's good. Then, if you know something and you have a system in play, um, go revel in it. Like because oh, yeah. um, I I'm not going to start doing what you do. You're just here to learn what I do. So yeah, yeah. sure. But so the, the, it's those people that don't have a clue that you get to shape them and they listen to you and they're not trying <laughs> to fight some other idea they have. Oh yeah. Oh no, no, I put my foot over here. I like to line up this like this, and I'm just going. You look like an idiot. Yeah, like, I mean, that's not even real. Like, I go, <laughs> you're just making this up. You know, so I have a lot of fun with it, and, and, and yeah, it's really cool.
Wow, that sounds fun. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. What else? What else we got? Mm, I guess uh, comedy coming up over the next while. Uh, I will be out. I don't know how many shows I will t- attempt to go on, but uh, see how things go. Hope everybody uh, behaves. Have a nice smooth <laughs> show, especially <laughs> up here. Yeah, from Gary the Enforcer. I guess, yeah, do we have, like... Do you think there's a, a different kind of comic who can be more of an enforcer, or do you think it's just the type of person you are? I don't get it. Like, well, first of all, how you're received when you get up on stage, that's up to you. You know, you you got to put in an effort to make sure that you're presenting well. If you want to be part of rules that you want to stand up to and, and the way people interact. Mm-hmm. But the moment people start yapping at each other and calling them fucking idiots and stuff like that to their faces and, and, and interacting at that level that's not acceptable in my world at all oh yeah at all no mm. I, and that's why probably I leave uh, I <clears throat> I leave partly because I, I just hope nobody addresses me or something and be, be, be mean to me it upsets me yeah so um, uh, but enforcement I think is based on how the room presents its opening moments and maybe mm. having someone well like downstairs of course because of the size of the room you've got your spotters walking around it's not just Evan Aaron's good mm, at the yeah. old sh- oh yeah man like, there's different people involved here yeah. and Shane has been involved in that and it goes some people just kind of go, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and they start talking again and stuff like that. But some, these ones that I worry about in life, uh, basically are more than willing to tell you to fuck off. Now, tell me to say that, you know? And, it's like, and like I say, every age group. It doesn't matter if you're the drunk little girl or the big mouth. Well, you know what? Most of the biggest guys that have come in there that I have, have spotted and I just go... Holy shit! Like that's a that's it's a monster, right? Uh-huh. Um, I haven't seen any one of those type get uh, mouthy or weird or shitty. Oh. Guys that I'm talking that look hardcore. Okay. I don't mean just a big guy. There's a lot of big guys that are just big slobs and shit. I'm saying that guys that I can spot as yeah. being yikes. But for the most part. Anything stag, anything bachelor, anything, all these things. Oh, yeah. and part of, like, first of all, why are you there? Yeah, you come to Comedy these places not great for so you guys things. can get really, really drunk and put a lot of attention on Nancy. You know, and they go all crazy and shit. <laughs> that's just too bad. I mean, you can't. You know, that's got to, That's bound to happen. You book rooms and it fills up with people, and you got to, you know. So there's only so much you can do. But at the beginning of a show, there is something you can do. You know, you'd have a nice voiceover by Gary Barker mm-hmm. explaining things at a very infantile level so you, you've got to be a real moron if you break the rules and then um, have a a person that can go over and go Shh, or hey settle down da 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 and the backup of the community behind you to be on board with it you know what I mean like, like, like say there's a table and yeah. some people are getting wild stop the show just go, you know, I'm not going to try and fight over you. You know, I'm, I stay. I'm done. 
it's time to go. Like, 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 da da da. Now, it would probably work. And the only time it wouldn't, it might be dark. You know, like I so I don't know exactly how yeah. that all works. But all I know is I don't treat people and interact with people at the level of the kind of aggression and things that happen just in this environment alone. You know, it's just I don't know what's wrong. And I, I, I guess I keep going back to that theme. It's been on my mind a bit. You know, I go, I can't even go to comedy night and, and relax huh. and be at peace. Go, mm. go for a few laughs. I'm going to go and, and, and realize that someone's going to make me just go, you know, like, like, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. You said you can, I, 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 there was one little point that I wanted to pick out. You said you can see, uh, see big guys. Um, and you also, I remember you've, said before that people always underestimate you. You don't look like a guy who can fight. Is there something... Are you able to spot guys? Do you think you can see a guy who can fight? Or do you think you can be taken by surprise? I, I can tell a fighter, fighter all quite often. And I mean a person that's not somebody who goes to a kickboxing club or a thing or that and is doing something. There's something about certain individuals. But what I pick up on is... Uh, uh, People that are dangerous in their action and the way that they appear to me. For some reason, I've got this radar, mm-hmm. and, and it's very sensitive. And I, I and that, because I, I, I always ended up in situations as a professional in situations where there are some things brewing, and you got to be on top of that. And I actually, I've had several situations where I've seen incident, uh, an incident or two brewing. And know where it's going to head with certain things, including yeah. a murder in Victoria one time. You know, I, I okay. that was in the paper. I mean, it was clear. Yeah, you told that the cops. story yeah. on stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was like I was doing my comedy, talking about where I was living in the ghetto, and I yeah. said, um, "There's a, a, a guy that was let out of prison, came to stay, and he was the, the suite next to me in, in the Gorge and Rock Bay, the, the twin towers of hell. Uh, it was just old travelers' inns that got turned into a, kind of like a halfway houses. For And I saw the way that these people were interacting, and this guy got dropped off by the police because there was no room at the halfway house, the actual halfway house, so he got stuck in there. Mm-hmm. And I saw that where he was and who he's going to be interacting with. And I said to the uh, officers that dropped him there, I said, uh, this ain't going to work. I go, those guys are all real bad in those last few suites down there, and this kid just got out of jail, and you're saying that he's fragile? Because I overheard them talking about it. They just go, yeah, we're worried that he has to get stuck here. I hope, I hope this place is okay. And I said, no, it is not. And I explained it quite so. And they said, well, he's only going to be here for five days. Uh, he was there for three, and he's killed the guy that I was talking about. And, and I was talking about it at comedy up until that incident every night I would come in and I'd go yeah I'm living uh, I don't have to watch TV I just look out my window there we got cops we got hoarders we got you know <laughs> rehab all this kind of shit it's pretty funny but uh, uh, I just what was the point oh big guys and stuff like this yeah I I none I, I'm not very easily surprised by people or shocked in, by a person if, uh, that I've had to deal with in my life because I look mm-hmm. at everybody as potentially a, if I don't know them and some, something starts to brew and I have to deal with it or something does arise, I approach anybody 
with the exact same level of you are a dangerous, dangerous person that I have to be at full ability with. And if you're not, and you're just some dweeb, mm-hmm. I easily suppress you and take control of the situation. And that goes from any size down to any size, man or woman. Mm-hmm. I've seen a, uh, some of the most violent uh, encounters w- with women in mm. security situations and stuff. Huh. Very willing to let it all out, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 Hypervigilant. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. always on. I, I always think something's going to happen and, and, and stuff. I, I mean, it's good to have around. I, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, was, I, I, I really do think that I was so appreciated, especially in Vancouver, as probably one of the best doormen ever. Mm. Super lovable, friends with all the dancers and everything, the DJs. Da, da, da. I was just. And the clientele as it built up and, and, and in this really rough, rough hotel that we fixed up and had to change over. It was just like that movie, uh, Roadhouse. Yeah. <laughs> the guy, you know. And uh, uh, what it was is that you can, if you have a well-run situation, people that are the odd person out, like the one that stands out, it, it's easy to identify. That's why yeah. I, I, I sort of go, I wonder how balanced that person is that might be getting in this banter and how comfortable that person is to actually say something that threatening to another person. And because, like I say, I, I go, I'm glad I'm not caught in that crossfire. Because one of the things I don't like is being threatened. Mm. I've had guys, you know, flat out, you know, dead, done the kind of to me and stuff like that. And. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's some post traumatic stress from that kind of thing. Very sensitive. Yeah. I watch fights on TV and stuff like that, and 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 uh, video of of violent encounters and stuff. And when I see certain impact shots during a fight, I get a uh, a, a response. My mm. head jerks. It's one of these mm-hmm. things that's. Uh, was tested, I guess, a long time ago. They realized that if you scare or give a shock image to a person that's carrying that kind of damage, yeah. and 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 that they will they have that trigger response. It's kind of funny. Me, I just vibrate a lot around what I think things aren't. If there's any potential, and that's what I. That's the thing. I always seem to to be sniffing it out. I'm just going. I don't know. Watch it. Like I don't know. But I guess as long as enough people are, la- I don't know. Uh, but say the worst one that you know I can, or even just say the one that recently happened. You say that uh, Sean probably had to go up on stage or you know and, and interact. Yeah. Do you at any time uh, see that as uh, 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 volatile or possibly a? a, 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 a Big negative, but you know, like I mean, okay. were people laughing and enjoying that, or were people kind of like going no, shit? They, like the whole room went quiet. Even like Sean, he didn't even attempt to make a joke. Like at, uh-huh. um, yeah, and the the room was. <laughs> oh, okay. And then Sean, yeah, he said a few things, 
to the guy, he he said like "fuck you" and never mm. come back and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Well, words got, are words. Yeah, he got really uh, like yeah, it's very clear that yeah, and there was no like I've never seen Sean be unfunny for that long, and it wasn't that long, but. Like usually when I see him, there's always he's always making some joke yeah. or doing something. It was an extra shitty thing and yeah. a rough go. Um, that's probably why I left that night because I was sensitive to the way things were mm-hmm. maybe heading, and I sort of saw it in advance because I was already upset. Like I said, I left because I don't like I don't care if he's harmless or not. So whoever, the, if some guy's sitting there and he thinks he can interact and <laughs> just yapping away and then talking, and I just go, why are we? You know, but anyway. You can't always get what you want. Comedy is what it is, and we try our best and stuff like that. Yep. And maybe there will be a time when, um, if, if if there's a way of, of everybody getting on the same page when it comes to, hey, why don't we do our best to ensure a smooth show? Like, like sort of go, what can we say yeah, like at that, the beginning? Yeah. How can we interact with a crowd? And, yeah. uh, and you know, I... I may be good at that, as a matter of fact. I have kind of a father figure, kind of senior kind of guy. Yeah, well... Fairly funny. Yeah, and um, I don't know if you... Uh, I don't know if you say enough about how how you feel people should get along better. Like, um, yeah, this whole idea of being sensitive to, to conflict and stuff. Um, I think maybe possibly some more comedians need to hear it mostly we're good yeah. but yeah every, I think maybe we could hear that a little bit more yeah. um, and and the audience you know and in a in that way that you were saying like in in the very not you're being an asshole stop it kind of deal but if you can find a better way to word it yeah yeah <coughs> yeah it's funny too because here we have a <coughs> so-called uh, like people that are out to comedy that would be considered educated artsy the, the, I don't know mm-hmm. and then you go down into the underground parking and there's grown-ups uh, throwing down and training like MMA and boxing and this shit mm-hmm. and we're the most the decorum that the way we interact is probably of the highest I'm so proud of it I just sort of go, wow that's nice Mm. Nobody's talking but me. Not just kidding. <laughs> no, we do. We interact more now as we're getting past the early stages of of, of the training. People uh-huh. get to work things out between themselves a bit more, and then they start developing completely on their own in a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, now it's been uh, and, and and yeah. But we, I was starting to say that before about how some comedians and I, it's not just that one time about the saying the MMA. So yeah, he's a douchebag. Uh, a few comedians will anytime it would come up they'd go oh yeah MMA you know and 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 then calling all those people that they show they anybody they see wearing like these shirts like affliction or tap out and all this kind of stuff that becomes one of their big jokes too it's just like yeah Uh, yeah. I'd like to go to the gym look at myself in the mirror and put on my tap out and stuff like this and I go well not everybody that wears that gear is pretending hmm. you know like why are people so bold and cautious to just slam everybody else I don't know it's just kind of like I have um, it doesn't matter what a person looks like to me or, or their situation or blah, blah, blah like this there are certain levels of the way they conduct their selves with you that I either accept and like or hmm. just go hmm. you know 
Yeah. Yeah, it, it, and I, I gotta admit, like, I've never been a big fan of, of MMA or any, or fighting. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it seems like kind of a douchey move to just assume that, well, yeah, now you're being a douche if you assume that everyone who likes MMA is a douchey, so. Well, or that there's anything about mixed martial arts as a phrase, and, a, and a, a, you know, the noun of it all, <laughs> that you can call, and, and to tell you the truth, throughout history, martial arts from India, Asia, Japan, throughout that initial traditional stuff, the people that were the teachers and the so-called masters and these people, they were revered. They weren't anybody. Nobody was saying, yeah, those douchebags. Mm, right. And the people that they trained were people that were adhering to the discipline of the training, which made them superior people in attitude and, and behavior. Not all of them. Okay. And, and, and I will not romanticize it either, like the samurai culture and stuff <laughs> like that. Holy yeah. shit. That's some dark stuff, right? Mm. But for the people that are routinely trying to accomplish technique and find the physical balance necessary to perfect and and, you know in some martial arts include a lot of things including archery and uh, um, uh, swordsmanship and all that kind of stuff mine is just specialized in unarmed combat looks very much like MMA and what you'd see in the UFC Mm -hmm. and um, I've had maybe ten people I would call bad apples out of about oh, yeah. 300 since I've been training people here. Most people seem to, uh, if anything, become a little bit uh, uh, better Yeah. yeah. like dealing with things and about themselves. You know, start gaining confidence for real instead of throwing around a bunch of bullshit to try to act intimidating. I mean, and right, stuff. yeah. yeah. I, it's like saber rattling and all that stuff to me is just very amusing. Unless you startle me, I find it all just ludicrous. I'm just going, wow, you people really are saying that to each other. And that, you know, you know certain <laughs> arguments that happen over football games and, and all p- playing pool and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm fine, 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 fine. I just sort of let it all. I'm glad I'm not being, again, trapped in there. And then every once in a while, I get this little siren goes off in my ears that actually is a physical response I get a ringing in my ears oh, yeah. adrenaline kicks in and it's yeah. because I feel a disturbance in the force like <laughs> Star Wars shit right yeah. and uh, um, have had a lot of encounters and, and really intense things and again that was part of why that guy wanted me to do the lie detector test he says because your story sounds like a comic book it does Gary he mm. says it's just yeah, you, it does. you you, you it, it, the things that you say happen, and the medical file is fabulous because it, it is uh, so that you go. The last report I got, and it was funny because someone asked me, how many bones do you think you've broken? And I go, well, you see, I don't know. I, I know that when they x-rayed my ankle one time to see if it was broken, they said, you have four fractures that have been there for Ever. You've got a double mm. fracture of your tip going through there. My hands are just a crumpled <laughs> carpals through here. <laughs> yeah, that's the arch that holds your tendons going up into your wrist. And yeah. this wrist is pretty much crushed. But uh, fracture, fracture, da, 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 all these things. 
and if you like I should be laying in a chalk outline at the bottom mm-hmm. of a building and if you look at this just the x-ray alone and the body scanning and stuff like that if a person starts telling you oh yeah I broke the, the I was playing football I broke my ribs or something like this you know there's ways of finding that out there's, and not all x-rays show fractures I've I get the deluxe treatments. I get the MRI and the something, <laughs> something tonography. I get it all, yeah. and I've had a good look at a lot of things. Yeah, and, and it's probably most of my injuries occurred because of of the fact that I, I walked around with a lot of injuries because of my pain threshold and my uh, inability to really get the full gist of what a fracture feels like and, and certain things. Do you, although at this point, do you kind of if you if you for some reason broke a bone like tomorrow, you would you know that it was oh yeah that's what a fracture feels like or do you think you would be like I don't know well, maybe I I know what's wrong with this wrist mm-hmm. and I should it should be a level eight uh, if I move it wrong or something like that it, I should be about it but I'm more like around a four. In pain, but I know that's it's, your, it's pain. The, the pain scale—that's what yeah. you, yeah, yeah, okay, eight and, on the pain. And, and that's pretty high. Be, yeah, that is high. And I, <laughs> when I, when they discovered all the shit that was going on in my back when I was super laid up, they go, um, they took about five inches of of scanning, looking at my spine, and they find three defects. Uh, and a, and, a, and a squashing of the cerebral spinal fluid thing, the Yikes. fecal sac. Oh, yeah. And a, and a bit of a bulge there, and then a fracture called a PARS defect there. And that's just one little part of Gary. And I know that there's a major fracture mid-dorsal uh, vertebrae, which is a compressed fracture of the vertebrae. Ooh. And if you add them all up and you look at the thing, you'd go, funny. You know, you, he must be laid up must be laying in a bed somewhere and just kind of, you know, taking her easy. Can't really do any sports. And I do approximately, you know, you ask, does exercise help my situation? Well, in the last 30 years, I kind of crunched the numbers and figured out some stuff. I've done about 10 million push-ups wow. since uh, moving here. And approximately five to 10,000 a week push-ups. Fast style, some slow, but it's a lot of work, and it's the, that's that level, that the only level that keeps and sustains me through all the things that seem to be wrong. Even mm. the fact that that level of exercise sort of compresses my stuff together in a, in like a cast of cabled strength, cast you know, of, of muscle. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I can take an. Uh, you know, if I got run over, I'd probably handle it well. Oh, you know, I'm well, gonna just start I, I walking across don't. the street like I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm fucking ripped. Don't do that. Some <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, now it's been a slice. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. I, yeah, I don't know. I think we covered it. You know, a lot. if you, I like the way it's. You know, uh, over the last first break and then talking now and stuff like that Mm -hmm. at the beginning I don't know if I was like racing to get things said and stumbly and stuff but um, I leave it up to you you know I don't know how it's all going to come out but we have a (laughs) lot of of time there but uh, yeah yeah I'm I'm still figuring out how to do podcasts so I think it'll be good 
Um, yeah. I don't know. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so if people want to see Gary, he's at most Ratfish shows. Yeah. Uh, Mondays and Thursdays. He, Very uh, approachable. <laughs> and you'll be going up on uh, some Mondays, not every yeah. Monday, but yeah. sometimes when you get the urge to do it, you do it. And you're usually early in the night, too. So if people want to come, want to see Gary in particular, you got to come early. Yeah. Before he gets too many MGD <laughs> in him, I'll tell you that. <laughs> There's a three MGD Gary and a little toke. That's I'm, I, those are my best. Nice. There's, there's the, then there's sometimes I get bumped to like 20th person to go up. Mm. Yeah. Holy shit. That's just dark. I got nothing <laughs> and I'm drunk. Right? It's like yeah. I, there's a reason I like to go first. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, if people are interested in the uh, in training, yep. boxing training, they yep. can hit, them up, hit you up on Facebook, Gary Barker, yep. um, or yeah, or see him in person at yep. the show. Yeah. Like word uh, of mouth. Works great. Yeah, thanks so much, Gary. Hey, it's great. I really enjoyed just talking to you and yeah, hanging out. Got an earful, didn't you? That's that a was, lot of yeah, shit. That was great. Thanks. Uh, I'll turn off the things now. Thanks. Cool. Theme song.